Hello mech fans and welcome to the Valhalla Club. Grab a fusionaire and join us as we talk Battletech and the latest happenings around the Colorado Battletech community. Hello everyone and welcome to the Valhalla Club. Uh, this is your local bartender, Matt, and I'm here joined by Mike. Howdy. Dave. Hello. Urban. Howdy, howdy. And our local painting connoisseur and special guest tonight, Mr. Rick. Hello. There we go. So, um, you know everything about the rest of us, but we're going to ask our uh, our special guest tonight, Rick, a couple of questions so you guys can get to know him as well as we know him. So, Rick, you get to uh, give your little spiel about how you got into Battletech okay. um, and your favorite faction and maybe your favorite mech. Let's go with that. Oh, man. Those are some hard-hitting questions. Um, I got into Battletech. off deep. Yeah, so uh, I think I was in, like, elementary school or middle school and i found a mech warrior 2 cd for like in the ten dollar bin at like a office max or staples or one of those sorts of stores and uh i was a big nerd played a lot of video games really enjoyed that one i think even mech warrior 3 had been out for a while so i got that pretty cheap um and they got really excited for mech warrior 4 which was like in all the gaming magazines or something at the time um so I played a ton of it, of the video games growing up. Um, never really got into the minis until, unfortunately, Clicky Tech in uh, late high school, beginning of college. Oh, you and Mike are in the same boat. Yeah. Um, so I played Spirit Cats mostly in Clicky Tech. Um, and then I kind of got away from like tabletop gaming. You know, being a college student, couldn't really afford it, and then joined the Army and didn't really have time to do it or a place to do it. Um, and I don't know, different community, different life went different ways, but, um, I got back into like tabletop gamings, uh, with X-Wing and I really loved it because all the minis were pre-painted and I didn't have to paint anything. And I kept looking at other hobbies. I was like, I'm not going to get into that. I don't feel like painting stuff. I don't, you know, it's intimidating. I don't want to do it. Um, and then I was in, uh, I was at a school in the army down at Fort Rucker, and one of my buddies who I just met in the school, uh, we were like grunting army things at each other, and he like grunted Battletech at me, and I grunted Battletech question mark at him. <laughs> um, found out we both like Battletech. Which you know, there's everyone's talking about this Kickstarter thing that was happening at the time, and um, I was still real hesitant. Like the minis look great, but uh, still didn't really want to paint things, but. He talked me into it, told me he'd uh, show me how to paint stuff. And, um, you know, what What originally was a very well-curated selection of, like, a company of mechs that I was going to put together and paint mm-hmm. uh, quickly multiplied, and now I definitely have a problem. Um, yeah. So that's how I got into Battletech. Yeah, you're in the right place. We all have <laughs> yeah. a similar issue. Um, favorite faction I really like. Uh, the I call it the Rosalhog Republic. I know there's been debate on how to pronounce that, but hey, oh. this is not the pronunciation podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we, we had our episode; it's over now. <laughs> Give that to try. Um, so, yeah, I love an underdog. Uh, so, I originally I painted my Mercia unit so I could do them Rosalhog or Mercs or um, 
part of the uh, Roselhog Dominion um, in the future. So I wanted, because I was really only going to plant 12 megs. Seriously, guys. Um, <laughs> I tried to have like a nice paint scheme that I could kind of like pretend it's in one faction or another and kind of. So I was going to get some clan mechs, do them Ghost Bear, some Intersphere mechs, do them my Roselhog Mercs. Um, and then they could mix and match as needed. And I would never have to buy more mechs or um, paint more mechs in the future. So. And then uh, WolfNet happened. Yeah, then, then WolfNet. Well, then I moved to Colorado. Oh, I think it's no, the, the real issue here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all you guys who were just, uh, you know, peer pressured me into buying more mechs and <laughs> painting more stuff. Exactly. Um, but I like, I like underdog factions. I recently painted a, two lances of, um, uh, say knives lancers for oh, yeah. Matt's thing up north. That was uh, awesome. That was pretty fun. Yeah. I and did now like I'm the way that's like, turned out. Yeah. That, that came out great. Um, but now I've got all my mechs that are unpainted kind of getting separated out into different lances and companies to for different factions. Because now that I've painted a whole bunch of blue boys, uh, you know, I'm a little burnt out on that and want to dabble in other things. Um, favorite mech? Oh, that's hard. I mean, favorite mech that I painted is the Atlas that I just painted for uh, Genghis Khan. Oh, cool. Uh, Rick, I'm surprised. With all the number of times I've played you, I'm really surprised you did not pick a melee mech as your favorite. I mean, I do love the melee mechs. I really like my Nodachi that I took the sword off and put a hatchet on to to disrespect the uh, Draconis Combine. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I still think that there's a good chunk of the the Colorado people that remember you as the the Irby, the plushy Irby painter. So, oh yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, but. The plushie, and then uh, the gold one, and the swamp one. Yeah. I was going to do a fourth, but I uh, couldn't get it done in time. I, I have a tendency to slowly paint things, and then some event comes up on the horizon, and then I'll procrastinate and paint like all weekend trying to get something done, which is what I did with those urban mechs. Uh, I don't think you're alone. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> we all plan accordingly. And have everything painted at least a week prior to an event. At Lies. least. Yeah. Lies. We don't paint in hotel rooms. That's right. Vegas. That's yeah. right. I definitely didn't finish that Atlas less than 12 hours before Genghis Khan. Unheard of. Unheard of. Cool. Uh, well, good. It's good to get to know Rick a little bit more. So now we're going to throw into our pile of shame and games played. So we'll just go around the horn and uh, check in on what everyone's kind of hobby progress is lately and any games they've been playing. So we'll start off with the venerable Gray Fox himself, Bourbon. Oh, man. Um, yeah, it's been a busy month for me. I spent some time starting a new shrapnel story, doing some research for that. And then about the last three weeks, I've been painting up about 25 units of Hanson's Rough Riders for, as part of my Gen Con list. Justice and for Hansons. That's right. Justice for Hansons. Um, I I made a purchase on Ares that netted me some more stuff to paint. That that's not going to be good. Go ahead and tell and then, tell us what you bought at Ares, Ben. <laughs> Go ahead. I already know, so you should you should uh, disclose. There, there there may or may not have been you know Poseidon in there. And, yes. Um, 
couple of a marshal and a fireball, about four fox armored cars, two sprint beetles, um, and about two more platoons of battle armor because <laughs> you never had enough. You don't but now enough. I'm not the only person who has three super heavies. <laughs> yep. So didn't you recently also have a massive pile of infantry and battle armor and you just I added did, to it? I just added to it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, to be I fair, do, those things are really cheap. I mean, they are right? like two bucks for a, for a string of three of them, you know, and you can't just buy three. You got to have like four. So you buy in multiples of four, you know? So, um, and then, uh, a, recruited one of the guys that I works in the same building as me. He was kind of curious about Battletech. So um, the last two weeks at uh, Hobby Town, I've been kind of running him through the uh, intro to uh, Classic. So um, that's that's my pile of shame right now. Nice. How about yourself, David? I know you've been busy. Uh, well, as far as games played, uh, actually I had Rick and let's see, it was Rick, Damian, Alex, and Josh over to my house last Sunday and I ran them through a scenario against pirates and each of so Alex Damien and Josh were on one team and they each had a customized mech uh, somewhere in the jihad area era for the Merc lists around 1300 BV I believe it was a oh god now I gotta remember there was a rifleman. It was a rifleman, a warhammer, an enforcer, and um, a Nova. A, a Blackhawk. It was yeah. the Blackhawk KU, the Intersphere variant. Yeah. Uh, and what they didn't know, they knew they were going to fight against me playing pirates. And what they didn't know is their contract was open, and I had invited Rick over to bring a lance of his battle mechs to uh, compete for the contract. So they all gather at the house and find out that they're also playing against Rick. So this is a classic hexless game with, I want to say, probably 20 minis on the table. And I had a couple surprises for him during the game. Two, uh, two assault mechs kind of popped out of nowhere to uh, try and ruin their days. But uh, I definitely underestimated the what happens when people customize their mechs and how bad skill four is in classic. <laughs> so my poor pirates who had more BV than their combined force uh, got their asses handed to them. And uh, yeah, so it, it was a really fun game. I mean, I think everybody had a good time. They completely annihilated me. It was, it was pretty funny. That's what pirates are and for, right? It was what pirates are for. But, uh, as far as hobby progress, I have been getting a lot of painting done lately. Uh, I think I have completed, I want to say nine minis are complete. And then I have another 15 that are in various stages of completion right now on the table. And I will be taking those with me next week on my, uh, work travel so that I can paint them in the hotel when I am bored. Nice. But yeah, that's been my hobby progress. Voice. Mikey Mike, how about yourself? All right. Uh, so to start off, I'll apologize for my poor audio. I'm on AirPod because I'm in California at the moment. And if there's wind in the background, it's because I'm outside because I'd rather do this outside than in a bay barracks. 
Um, he but, doesn't want to get made fun of. <laughs> uh, pile of shame uh, remains constant. Work's been busy, uh, so no progress in the painting department. However, games played. I also had a game uh, this past month with our tierist uh, guest, Mr. Rick. Uh, I was on staff duty a couple weeks ago. And he also had to be on post. So he came over and we played an Alpstrike game in the battalion conference room after battalion command left, <laughs> which took forever. Yeah, they took their sweetest. <laughs> but uh, it was probably one of my most fun Alpstrike games in a very long, very, very long time, especially for just mech on mech combat. Uh, it's nice we did when you don't a have little, a time limit. Yeah. Well, yeah. we did a, what was it, 400? Was it 400? It was either 400 four or 500. 500. I, I uh, want to say it was four. Either way. I think it was four. We did a, yeah, we did a, say, 400 PV fight. Um, ghost Bear via Ghost Bear. Um, and that was uh, set in the Ill Clan era. So I had the joiners were, and you had the refusers? Uh, Is that what they're called? I think, yeah, I had, well, in the source book, they're refusers. And a question of survival, they're deniers. Uh, but same thing. So you had the joiners. I had the refusers uh, for the uh, to join the, the ill clan vote, uh, which has spawned uh, what is currently happening in the Dominion. So if you haven't read the source book yet or question the survival, I guess that's some spoilers. But they've been out for a little while now, and shame on you. Catch up. Um, so it was a little bit of Ghost Bear Civil War action, and it was buku fun. Uh, but that's about it for games played. I've been busy at home and work, so you are not forgiven. Sorry, Roger that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, Rick, you get to uh, jump in as well. I mean, you already kind of talked about what you painted in the recent past, but any anything in the last month or so that you've been up to? Um, well, I mean, the two other hosts already took the two games I played to talk about, but uh, they're both <laughs> super fun. Damn. Uh, Excited for that to to play board games uh, with both of them. Both playing games with all you guys, but um, of course, painting goes. I mean, I'm always I'm always a fan of Alpha Strike. Even Hexus Classic <laughs> is fun. But I always I always lean back to Alpha Strike. Um, I did play a game with. I got my wife to play uh, like a month what? or two. What? Yeah, I got her to play um, Death from Above's Destiny system. I put her through a little uh, training mission as a clan nova cat uh you know tra- trading mech warrior you must share these weirding ways of how you convinced <laughs> your wife to play i like it uh, yeah she she had a great time uh, i really liked that system uh, it has a nice level of uh crunch without going full classic um it's a nice balance between the two um as far as painting progress I have mostly just make, been making plans and buying things and then gathering my things into little groups. Um, after painting that atlas, I kind of burnt out for a while. And then I went back to work after uh, we had our son. So, you know, real life caught up with me again. I didn't, couldn't just sit there and paint while changing diapers. Um, it happens. So that's right now. That brown. <laughs> Very good basic <laughs> material. Uh, so right now I'm painting a raven, which is I thought would be fun because uh, the very first mini I painted 
was a raven. So we'll get to see the side by side. the The original was a metal iron, you know, the Ironman's medals mm-hmm. version, and this is a the CGL version. So we'll see how they come out. Cool, very cool. Uh, and for myself, I uh, I have been busy with the old RL real life stuff, but I've still got in a whole bunch of printing stuff as far as uh 3d stuff uh 3d printing for an upcoming event that we'll be having some swag for everyone um and i've been painting a little bit a jade falcon force just to honor john because he's not here um but uh it's been mostly just contrast paint with some dry brushing and stuff so nothing too intense and as far as games played, uh, we haven't. We've had a kind of a rough time over the last month getting our usual Wednesday crew together, just with my travels and others kind of having health stuff. But um, we had a good. Uh, we've been doing some good play testing for an upcoming event uh, on Friday nights uh, every other week. So that's been good. Um, so that's uh, that is our pile of shame and games played segment. So there you go. Now we can move on to the main metal. And um, we have Rick on tonight because he is... you. I mean, you wouldn't know it from how he describes how he never wanted to paint things. But <laughs> Rick is a great painter, and we have him on because we're going to be talking about painting tonight. So Rick already kind of went into his kind of his painting history, and I'll give mine, and then we'll kind of go around and, and talk about, like, you know, how you got how you started painting, what you started painting, whatever it is. So I'll just say that up till uh, November 2021, I had never painted a mini in my life. And uh, I got all my stuff from the first Kickstarter, moved here to Colorado, and just like you, Rick, there you know there were people to play here, and I was like, oh, I, I, everyone else is painting stuff, so I feel like I have to paint stuff too. Yeah, they're very... Uh... Very aggressive and I know, I know. They're they're always like that. No. I, I mean no Damn one said anything. No one said anything, but it was just like, oh, your stuff looks so cool. I wonder if I can make my stuff look anything like that. Um and so I just started with you know, I just bought some army painter paints or whatever and started trying to paint. And then I ran across this incredible thing called contrast paint. And this allowed me to just kind of slouch into contrast paints and dry brushing, and that's almost exclusively what I've been doing until now. You know, I throw a little paint on the cockpit or whatever, but um, that's kind of my painting history. So mine's not long and involved, uh, relatively new to painting, but it, I, I, I do enjoy it most of the time. Um, but anyways, how about yourself, uh, Bourbon? Let's go with you. Um, shoot. I mean, I think I painted my first mini in 1990. Um, and it wasn't that great. It, I still have it just as a reminder, kind of a, kind of a reminder thing. It had like a base coat of gray and like some black stripes on it. And that was my gray death shadow Hawk, you know? So, um, and that, that was kind of my painting style for probably the next 10 or 15 years. I didn't really try to advance too much. Um, just base coat, some camo stuff, maybe do a little detail here and there. And then, uh, COVID hit. And I kind of started watching a lot of uh, B1B Flyers videos on different aspects of detail and dry brushing. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is there's a lot more to this. Those are the videos through Camo Specs on YouTube, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Right. The, the Camo Specs ones. Um, 
And uh, so I was like watching his videos and I'm painting, trying out these techniques and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it just, it helped me kind of, I mean, I'm nowhere near a good painter yet, but it helped me become a better painter for sure. Um, to the point where, you know, now I'm using, you know, uh, washes and dry brush and, you know, decals and my basing. I've been focusing on my basing, how I base stuff and, and what I do for that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, there was a lot that went, went into it. And so I, I, I'm kind of just at the point now where I'm still trying to, I'm just getting into the two colors <laughs> Of, of painting um and and doing some paneling and 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 stuff like that to uh i still got to get my dry brush technique a little bit better but uh i'm, s- I'm still working on some of that stuff so nice. that's kind of my history with with painting very cool uh how about yourself dave how'd you get into painting so i think my first the first mini i ever painted was a BattleTech mini and that was in the i want to say early 90s uh neighbor gave me a set of the I want to say third edition plastic minis and painted them with like your standard testers enamel. Just they looked like complete garbage. (laughs) And I don't think I painted another mini until maybe one or two D and D minis on and off over the years, but not until the, uh, the game of armor core or the game the game of armor combat came back out did i really start painting again and my uh actually no scratch that 2014 when the 25th anniversary came out uh i bought two of those box sets and i was on training with the railroad sitting in a hotel in kansas uh painting minis in my hotel room and skill hadn't improved so but now now i've uh i've kind of been mostly self-taught i haven't really watched a lot of the camo specs videos i think the only one i've actually watched is the uh, i think the cockpit one and i figured out that i can't paint cockpits so uh, at least not like that so i gave up on that and i just went back to figuring things out on my own uh so i've my painting didn't really improve until I bought an airbrush and that is a absolute game changer. The airbrush really allowed me to get really good base coats and then do the detail work with the actual brush. So yeah. And really recently I've really started exploring uh, dry brushing techniques and playing a little more with the cockpit paints, but uh, I've never used contrast paints. I have really only ever done brush and airbrush. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, Let's see, Mike, what about yourself? Uh, So I, too, had never painted a mini before of any type until I got my Kickstarter stuff. And I started out with just like a a base over red, some known oil, and tried like, well, red, tried to put some like camo-ish lines down in the known oil learned real quick that you can easily over um, varnish a mini or like if you especially if you hold the can too close because at the time i was just using rattle can yeah um then things are shiny (laughs) (laughs) Um, and they'll probably always be the way just because it was the first ones i'd ever painted 
Uh, but over, as time's gone on, like I, uh, for my clan units that I started painting out, I did like this Aurora camo scheme, uh, which looked pretty good. And then I started doing all my inner sphere units and Kellhounds because I was like, okay, that Aurora camo scheme was uh, hard uh, and a lot of effort. And I wanted something easy. So I just went with the old red and black uh, for the, my Kellhounds. Oh, yeah. And that was, uh, I'm not done with them, as you've heard me say over the past few episodes, because <laughs> life's just been busy. But last year, was it last year? No. Christmas 2021. Yep. 2021. Wife got me an airbrush. And that definitely sped things up because, you know, I'd have to wait for it to get warm or have nice weather to mm-hmm. prime. And now I can prime year round in my house. And base coat and all these great things, base coating's way faster. And then I started experimenting with. Uh, not doing just base coats, but doing actual layers. Uh, so I started doing my Kellhounds in a two-tone layer with the airbrush. So like, I'll base black, layer red, and then have to go back over with the black to clean up the red overspray. Mm-hmm. But it it looks good, um, and the fade is beautiful. I love the fade an airbrush gives a two-tone. Paint scheme and it would work for a three tone as well. Um, uh, it just it just looks awesome. Rick's got some beautiful uh, airbrush units as well, but I'll let him talk about those. <laughs> uh, but so yeah, I went started out you know simple noob. Probably went a little too far too fast into my Aurora scheme and then backed out a little bit into my Kellhounds and then um, uh, work. And life got really busy, and I got super bogged down. So I haven't had much progress over the past while, as you've heard me keep saying, month by month. Um, but that's that's generally it. I've used contrast a few times. Um, once I finished out my was it trinary? Mm-hmm. It was a trinary. Trinary of the Aurora uh, camo scheme. I went to a two tone white and light blue for the remainder of my clan units and i did a white base um like a light blue left arm right or right arm left leg uh offset and they look really good i know a lot of people absolutely hate painting white i personally don't have an issue with it if and what i tell everybody is what i did because they're like how like what would you do to make it look good? Like if I put non oil, it gets too dark. I'm like, well, that's the problem using non oil. You don't want to use non oil on white. Everything. So, not everything. So, um, so to get that shade effect or wash effect on white, I base white, and then I use Games wor- uh, Games Workshop um, Apothecary White, which is a white contrast. Um, so it's, it's how I'm able to make the recessed areas get that shade effect while maintaining a good level of white on the large flat panels. Um, that's the majority of my contrast work. I haven't, I've experimented with a few others, haven't liked them, 
to the point it's not worth bringing up i also don't remember at this point because i tried it once was like eh, nah mm-hmm. and abandoned it but um so that's my tip for white uh but yeah uh lately it's just airbrush base airbrush layer and then i'll go in with the uh dry brush which i also need to get better at i'm I kind of just be lazy and I'll just dry brush or dry brush some metallic silver uh, for like a weathered metal effect. I mean, they're machines of war. It makes sense for them to have some metal showing, right? Scraping on trees and buildings sure. and they crash through them and yeah. stuff and the other. And then it's just the, uh, the weapon barrels and then final laser effects. And it's overall pretty simple. I've just been busy and ha- I'm just, I'm so behind. Ah. I mean, there's no requirement for it, so in general, so it's all good. Yeah. Um, well, I, I just wanted to kind of go through everyone's painting history, to just kind of, especially for any like listeners that are kind of just beginning, like painting, especially. We all like start kind of sucking it up, and uh, you know, big old splotchy globs of paint, and uh, got to start somewhere. So I know that. I mean, I'm I don't consider myself a great painter, but. Was always that nervousness of what am I? How am I really going to paint these when I started painting? But just just doing it, you kind of overcome it. Or you're just so nervous when you start painting that your hands just shaking. Uh, not that way, but uh, I didn't want to ruin my minis. And this was even before I was like, you know, I I knew about stripping the paint off if you mess it up or whatever. But um, uh, I I didn't feel like my stuff could look good like others, but I felt like, oh, I need to paint it somehow. I can't just leave it gray, the gray mass all the time. So, yeah. All practice. Yeah, it, it it takes time like everything else. Um, so, Your Davy and Heavy look good, though. Yeah, I mean, they're good. They're okay. I think so. I think they look good. They work. They work. I, I like the way they look, and that's <laughs> that's the most important thing, I guess, right? So uh, let's absolutely let's talk about schemes. So uh, faction. Let's talk about everyone's favorite faction paint scheme, and how you pick that scheme or any other scheme. Do you like pick all your units first and then decide on different colors? Um, how do you guys do it? Let's. Uh, I'll just I'll just say what I start with. I usually start with picking a faction from the lore that I feel like. Oh, I don't have a force for this. I'd love to play it in either uh, an event or a scenario or something like that. I'll pick out the units that I think fit with that kind of that lore-driven faction. Uh, so like my Davian units, you know, they all have to have like three or four auto cannons sprouting off their arms and chest and um, just waiting to explode, of course. Then uh, I picked, I went through on camospecs.com, I think. I <laughs> can't remember if it's, a, yeah. if it's a, okay, it's a .com. So camospecs has the, is the official source for Battletech faction schemes. And then there's also unitcolorcompendium.com as well, I think, uh, which has some kind of digital schemes as well that, kind of look cooler but they're not like real painted so i I usually go between those two and find a scheme for the faction that i like that kind of represents the classic for that faction then um i'll go ahead and and look at the colors that i've got and try and work something out if not i'll grab a color or two and then my favorite faction scheme this last year i've been painting the the merrick militia scheme uh so that's purple with red and blue stripes on either side and I really like it, uh, but I still think my favorite is the Davian 
Um, I forget if it's the guards. It's a uh, kind of lighter blue with a red and white stripe on the left side. And that was my first attempt at doing a stripe. And I, I think it came out pretty good. So I really like that color scheme. So that's how I do it. Um, yeah, we'll just kind of talk about how we do it. You know, this is for you guys to kind of pick and choose whatever you want from what we were talking about. But Rick, how do you go about doing this kind of stuff? Um, much the same. Like I'll pick a unit. So I kind of go back and forth between browsing uh, unit color compendium and camo specs or some unit that I want to paint or some faction I want to paint it for. And then I'll go to those uh, places and then find cool looking uh, camo schemes or paint schemes that I like. Um, but then I'll, I'll have to look through the unit's history on Sarna to see, uh, make sure they didn't get like wiped out in the succession wars. And there's, I, I'm not going to go through the, the the effort of painting a unit that doesn't exist anymore in the lore, uh-huh. um, or at least doesn't exist at some point in eras that are commonly being played. Sure. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and, and I always I t- sort of a uh, have a fondness for underdogs. So you know, I got my St. Ives and my uh, FRR, and I'm got a uh, there's a really neat unit that exists for about 20 years in the 3080s or something like that um, in Merrick space, the Merrick protect fourth Merrick protectors that are all silver with red stripes. So I did a, I have a Lance that's about halfway done. That's been halfway done for a couple months because I started painting those uh, Liao units instead. So you, um, so you pick the fact you pick the kind of the unit first and then you look for the scheme that kind of fits what you want, I th- right? I think I, pick the faction and then I look for a unit within that faction that I like Okay, yeah. and still, and, and that has some lore flavor to sure. it besides just they were here, they fought in a battle and no one's talked about them in the lore since then. Yeah. It sounds like Hanson's for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> Who are they? Easy now. <laughs> uh, what, so what's your favorite faction scheme, paint scheme then, Rick? Ooh, man. Um, I really like, I haven't painted them yet. I've got a couple mechs sitting around, but the uh, Free Roselhog Republic has their, has all of their uh, different units broken down by weight class. So the Gunsberg Eagles is all assault mechs, and they have this cool, like, light gray body with uh, dark blue arms and legs and gold trim that I'm waiting to put together. And uh, one day I'll get around to it. I've got two lances set aside for that right now of all assault mechs. Nice. Got to use those assaults somewhere. Yeah, I know. CGL just keeps uh, throwing them at us. Serious. Had to do something with them. <laughs> that sounds like a cool scheme. Uh, let's see, David. How about yourself? What's your favorite scheme, and how do you kind of go about picking what you're gonna what you're gonna paint? So I'd have to say I don't actually have a favorite scheme. The uh, closest I'd say is probably the Hades Light Infantry from. Uh, the Torian Concordat, because it's kind of your standard uh, green, brown, and tan camo. You're like the but, uh, 80% of all Battletech camo is, is good by you. Well, so most of my mechs are painted in a tan kind of desert style, but really the inspiration behind that was the truck I drove around Iraq, which was a Cayman, and it... Uh, 
it was just tan. And I was like, yeah, that'll work. Mm -hmm. So I worked to figure out like, okay, how do I recreate this color? And it turned out that uh, Vallejo tan base with uh, Nuln oil came pretty damn close. So with an airbrush, the airbrush went burnt and uh, yeah, then a hundred mechs were painted like that. So (laughs) made it easy. Yeah. But uh, no, uh, I've recently started to play more with the actual camouflage patterns. So I'm starting to learn that a little bit more. And I'm going to probably go in that direction. Uh, And I'm finally painting some clan mechs as much as I hate it. And they're Jade Falcon. Oh, no. But, (laughs) well, they're, they're, they're gray with green. So, I mean, I guess you could throw that into a lot of different things. Yeah. They look pretty good. But uh yeah, so I, I don't really have a a favorite faction color scheme. I like mercenaries, so pretty much whatever I want is what goes. So I, I will say that I'll challenge all of us here to put up some some pictures of our favorite schemes or whatever we painted up on our Discord and maybe Facebook page cuz that'll be I think that'll be fun for people to look at. And everyone listening, you guys can put yours up too, because that'd be cool to see. Um, Mike, what's your favorite, and how do you go about you know, picking out what you're going to paint? Uh, okay, so my favorite faction scheme that I've painted so far, uh, like I've mentioned, I've done three, I've only done three schemes so far, two different clan schemes, and, and then the Kellhounds, which has changed as over times once I shifted from brush to airbrush. Uh, but the, so the favorite scheme I've painted so far isn't remotely lore or anything else. Uh, after I did my first tests of like red and gray on my initial game of armor combat, uh, minis, um, I, uh, started going into, once I got received the, the Kickstarter, the first Kickstarter, um, well, the only Kickstarter we've received so far, um, I did those, like I mentioned, in in an Aurora camo scheme. Uh, So what I did for that is it's a really, really dark blue base. And then I put like a neonish green down uh, and kind of like like this random lines color. Um, And then like a neonish purple right next to that. Uh, Because so and my my reasoning for that is just because like... um, we moved to Colorado from Alaska and just being able, you know, remembering watching the Aurora from the bedroom window and just how beautiful and awesome the Aurora Borealis is. I was thinking like, that would be pretty cool to try and somewhat replicate onto a mech mini, but also just kind of like not an actual Aurora itself, but just like kind of transition those Aurora colors into a camo scheme. Could you, man, you're an uh, artist for, <laughs> right. For a, uh, custom clan unit, which started out as like, just being called like clan Viking or whatever. And I think I've recently just been calling it clan Ragnarok. Um, but which still fits right. You know, sure. uh, for those, for those schemes, but, um, you're so vain, Mike. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but so that was the most fun uh the my most favorite paint scheme that I've done so far. Okay. 
The Kellhounds is all well and good, but it's it's also simple. So I think I just went too hard too fast and over-challenged myself to the point where I was like, ah, uh, I just needed something easy. And then I've been stuck in it, like I said, because of real life. <laughs> taken forever what do you guys but that that was my most fun yeah what do you guys think of like just like custom schemes rather than going with officials i didn't even think about that until mike kind of mentioned you know wanting to do something that kind of nature reminded him of or whatever what have you guys done that much or i i haven't really done anything I mean, so i say do it that's how i ended up with my i think yeah. i think that everyone should because the faction schemes are great but that locks you into kind of feeling that need to p- play that faction with those painted minis. To me, the wonderful thing about a very generic scheme is that you can just plug and play them wherever you want. No one's really going to bat an eye. Now, our, yeah. our community is great to the point where no one's really going to give anybody grief because they're bringing a mech that's painted like the Davian Heavy Guards and playing it as a Liao. But... I mean, I think Blast generic schemes are great. Plus, it gives you a lot of free uh, artistic freedom to do what you want. Because yeah, I know we, I would agree. Well, go ahead. Uh, I said I would agree, especially uh, like having a good, and this is something I've been wanting to do is uh, a good generic paint scheme on a large pool of mechs. It's just great for whenever you want to play uh, Op Four or GM a game, or um, you know, don't really want to worry about what specific faction they are. And most of the lore says that most of these units paint their, their mechs for whatever camouflage and whatever environment they're going to operate in anyway. So um, to me, that, that makes sense. If, if you're not into like, well, I want to paint all the schemes or I want to go really detailed doing a generic scheme is great. Just do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I just have seen a lot of comments on the discord, like, Oh, where do I start? You know, can I, do I have to paint faction? That's what kind of me reminded me of that. Start simple. Yeah. Go uh, with the, a uh, solid, a solid base color and detail weapons and maybe do some like a different color on a few armor panels. Yeah. Start mm-hmm. there. And if you're coming over from like Warhammer 40 K, we're used to having these more in depth and just, these ridiculously, I mean, they do look awesome paint schemes. Uh, I mean, and I think that's generally where those questions come from. What do I have to paint them as? Because in, in Warhammer, you do have to paint them a specific way. You Whereas can paint it safety stuff. orange and safety yellow if you want. And nobody's going to care. Nerf Pictures on the Discord. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Battletech, no paint requirements whatsoever. You can do whatever the hell you want. If you're new, like Dave said, start simple and then progress. That's what I did. I said I, ju- I, I just progressed from simple to I'm going to try something extremely challenging. But I did, like I said, I did have a lot of fun with it. Um, and you don't, yeah, you don't have to paint anything specific. You can make your own Merc unit, your own, your own house unit, your own clan. You can do whatever the hell you want. The majority of people in the Battletech community don't care they're just free to play you know it could be gray is it better painted sure it's better for photos but is it better for a play experience no but you know start simple challenge and then slowly challenge yourself branch out and i definitely think uh doing a custom scheme is definitely challenging yourself because now you like you gotta think things through um 
Yeah. Cool. I'm all but for the it. advantage is every time you mess up, you can just say, oh, that's part of the scheme. <laughs> that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess, uh, yeah. To, to your comment about like mass painting, like for like doing something simple in mass painting. I mean, my complex Aurora scheme, I did essentially mass paint that. I just did it in phases, right? Because I knew I was going to do them all the same scheme. So I based all of them. And then I did all the neon green line like random camo-ish lines on all of them and then i followed through with all the neon uh purple lines right on that and then i trained then i did all the weapon barrels and then i did all the laser lenses and cockpits at the same time yeah you can still mass paint a more complicated scheme if you just break it out into steps or phases yeah i I would say be careful about uh colors you start painting with choose like browns or greens or tans my mercenary unit is like bright blue which isn't that bad i did all that with the airbrush but uh where i messed up was choosing to do a whole bunch of details in yellow certain colors like <laughs> yellow you're getting ahead of yourself white <laughs> are super hard to paint yeah um, we, so we can, maybe stay away from the hard ones. We can talk about it now, but I mean, what are some other colors that are difficult? I, I know Rick just mentioned yellow and white. What are some other colors that you guys kind of find are difficult to, especially paint over other colors? Ben. Oh, um, <clears throat> I've kind of been messing around. I cannot do like the cockpit glazing. I've, I've tried it several times and I can't do it. So I've just kind of said, screw it. Um, and, I've found that like metallic paints are rather difficult to do. Um, although the the new stuff I've been getting with uh, Turbo Dork has been really good, so I've been experimenting a lot with like metallic base coat with a Turbo Dork metallic over top of for a different color, um, which kind of gives it a different kind of a glowy effect almost. So it's kind of kind of neat there, but metallic on its own. I, I remember I painted up a one of the Capellan decks. I'm not even trying to pronounce it, but it was a uh, I painted it entirely in gold, and then did like green and white accents on it. And My. I mean, it looks kind of neat, but it was. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> it was, Metallics always go on either too uh, thin or babies. too thick. Like yeah. even when I'm painting uh, barrel details, the metallics sometimes they just they just go on too thin. Yeah, and you you'll see the base code layers. underneath it. Yeah, that's funny. I'm painting metallics right now on this Raven. Um, something. I, so I didn't do this before I started putting gold in, but putting down a black coat and then putting your, the metallics on top of that seems to help a lot. Um, yeah, yellows are another one that yellows and whites are just yellows, really yellows difficult because they go on very thin. And it's very frustrating because you have to do so many layers to get to a nice solid color. I think it also very much depends on what uh, brand of paint you use. Because I've been, I basically been using the from all my yellow little details and freehand runes and stuff. I've been using Army Painter Demonic Yellow mm-hmm. from the beginning, and uh, it's not a great paint. That particular yellow, it's like too thick, and as you try to thin it down, it becomes like you said too thin, and then it. Starts... Vallejo Yellow has the same problem. Yeah, I, I hear it's with. Basically every yellow, but um, so the problem is yellow. 
Yeah. Don't it's yellow is yellow. definitely <laughs> probably. If I was going to say what is the hardest paint color to paint on a mini, it would definitely be yellow. Yeah. I always hear white and yellow. I, I personally haven't had an issue with white, but I tried yellow on an SRM carrier on like on the, the, the missile racks face and it looked like ass. <laughs> I hated it and I nope. still hate it, but I'm not going to revisit it because it's going to piss me uh. off. <laughs> It always, takes me like, an airbrush. Yeah. it always takes me like three or four or five coats of yellow to get it to not look, uh, not have like the blue poking through or just, you know, have it look somewhat consistent on, on my Acer guard mix. But yeah, yeah I, I haven't tried yellow yet. Um, white, no. I, I did find with white though. Um, it really depends on your primer color as well. So yeah. if you prime with a gray or a black, normally um, you're going to struggle with white a little bit. But I tend to prime all of my stuff in white or gray. Um, and especially if I know I'm going to paint it up white, then I definitely want to prime it in white. Yeah, uh, I think um, I've done a little bit of white on my ghost spears that have like white legs and blue Arctic uh, horses. But I think the airbrush really helps doing white so much more than trying to trying to hand paint white is super tough, but the airbrush makes it much, much easier. And like you said, you have to, you have to prime it white. You can't prime it black and then try to put white on top of that. And I think one of the, one of the keys to this like problem with colors and you know, maybe yellow is just this thing that's, it's just difficult no matter what, but it is that how you layer the colors up so you need to like take into account what you put on first and then what you put on second to because it will be influenced if you're if you have an undercoat of something um yeah it's yep. going to influence the pigment so what what do you guys usually what color do you guys usually um prime with then gray or tan for me or tan it depends on uh where i'm trying to go with it but uh, i started just doing everything black all my industry mix were uh primed black and then i do my bright blue base coats over the top of that. Um, but if I'm trying to do a lighter, I don't know, even that blue comes, comes out okay on the black, I guess. Does it really tone um, down the blue, though? Does it make it kind of like a darker blue? To be fair, I've never tried that blue over uh, a white priming, mm-hmm. but I don't think it would because I was going pretty thick on the, the base coats okay. during that. So you era. call no. it blue, but it always looks teal to me. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm colorblind. <laughs> yeah, probably not, but... <laughs> We're back to pronunciations uh, with uh, (laughs) I'm only describing it in primary colors. (laughs) For for my white, overall white, and then the light blue accent uh, limbs that I was talking earlier for Clan Mex after I finished that Aurora scheme, I based white. Uh, I will say um, I based what I primed. Well, I primed white. I primed white. I did not put a white layer. I just prime. I just primed white, and then I did the blue arms, and then I did the non oil on the blue, and the apothecary white on the white. Um, and that turned out okay for the Kellhounds. Once I started airbrushing, because at that point I was airbrushing, I primed black, and then I airbrushed red, a very light red over top. Well, it didn't start light red. I Primed black, did a dark red, medium red, then a light red. So three different reds all layered on top um, to get different, le- like, 
that that depth of red throughout um and that was all with airbrush and i think it looks good um so yeah i haven't primed gray i've only primed white and black but i I primed white if i'm using light colors and i'm using black if i'm using dark colors that's that's me. That's what I've kind of done in the past, except I use gray instead of black um, for whatever reason. I I don't know if it really makes a ton of difference. Maybe it does, but I, if it's going to be like a a dark color or a camo, I usually use the gray. And then if if I want some colors to really kind of pop and be kind of brighter, then that's when I use the white. That's just me. I I, I think yeah. that helps. Oh, but, I I, I will say. Before I started airbrushing the Kellhounds, I would rattle can prime black, and then I would brush paint red on the black, and that took forever because I had to do so many layers with the brush red. With airbrush, I don't have that problem. I can go straight to red and not have to do... I, I, I went from a darker red to a lighter red for that depth of red, whereas... With the brush, I was just using the same color red, and I had to do so many passes because of the black underneath. Uh, looking back, it probably would have been better for me to prime gray or white, and then uh, do the red. Especially because Kellhounds, Kellhounds are a light, like a, a lighter red. It probably wouldn't would have been best to prime white, do the red, and then go black. Because black doesn't care what color it is underneath, it's black. I think typically. it also really depends on um, what what technique you use, particularly if you're using speed paint. So that it really matters what you are priming with, because that's going to give you the tone of that color. Yeah. Um, I haven't messed with those yet. Yeah, I haven't really either. I've watched some videos on like slap chopping, and um, you know, doing like a, a black to white zenithal highlighting, and then just slapping your speed paints over the top of it it comes out looking great i just can't convince myself to do it it seems yeah. like cheating <laughs> <laughs> yes i know on the, on the priming side i i had for years i'd probably prime everything white and then um you know i found with with this last batch that i'm doing of a it's it's a, supposed to be a midnight blue and i've been using a dark blue with a dark wash on it and i found that the white priming kind of messed with the colors a little bit so i kind of dripped a bunch of stuff and then reprimed it in gray just to make the blue kind of more uh even across the across the layers and stuff so nice on the priming side i think that's that's where i learned my lesson from was you know depending if i'm going to be dark then i want to go with a darker prime so like rick was saying you know you really got to just think out what you're going to do and how you're going to do it I will say lessons learned for priming uh, using a rattle can in the Alabama nights <laughs> during the summer. Right, bad idea. Humid. Yeah, I rattle rattle can primed a hitman that looked like, um, man, it it was so bubbly. It looked like Two Face from Batman. It looked like he just had a <laughs> bath. I recently stripped it and repainted it, and it looks great now. Um, I had no idea what what happened. For the longest time, I was just sitting there. I was like, I don't understand how that turned humidity. out. Like that, but yeah, humidity, humidity brother. <laughs> we live in Colorado, so don't have to worry yeah, about that anymore. I, I learned those lessons in living in Virginia for so long that yep. you know humidity plays a big part in your your priming and your 
and in, in your uh, uh, dull coats and stuff like that. Well, even yeah. here in Colorado, it really depends on the time of day. Like you, you really want to prime if you're going to use rattle can. Uh, you want to prime when it's cool out. So for me, normally I'll if before I got the airbrush, I would prime in my garage, and usually my garage stayed about. 10 15 degrees cooler than the outside so that made it a great area to uh to prime things in and it's never humid in colorado so you don't need to worry about humidity it's the temperature so i do think you need to worry about the dryness when you're painting but uh that's just gonna dry out the paint on your brush faster but i think that's probably further up in the i I think that brings us into the basic techniques and honestly what do you think matt do you think we could go over uh what is our painting setup before we get into techniques? Yeah, I mean, how, however you guys want to talk about it. I just wanted to, we can talk about kind of what you've got as far as your equipment and then uh, what everyone thinks are kind of the basic techniques before we go into any like any special techniques. So uh, go for it, Dave, if you want to start us off. So for what I have for my, my painting setup, for I'll just talk about the brush side because I know airbrushes are can be a little cost- a lot, some people can't afford airbrushes. Even the uh, even the Amazon basic one that runs about 120, 120 bucks. It's still it's expensive. But for the the brush painting side, uh, I have a Army Painter wet palette, and I've got a basic little. Uh, I want to say it's a Hobby Lobby palette. It's a little white plastic one with the little pots in it that you can put your paint in. Uh, and then I've got uh, a lot of different brushes. Uh, mostly they are garbage Hobby Lobby brushes that I use for either dry brushing or washes. But I really only have one good paintbrush that I actually paint the mini with. And that's a, uh, it's a Citadel, I want to say it's a Citadel Layer Small. And it's an excellent brush. I've used some of the army painter, uh, the army painter brushes, but I actually really like the Citadel brush a lot better. But beyond that, I mean, having a little, uh, uh, paintbrush washing pot of some sort is also a key part of my, my setup because or else I've ruined so many brushes by forgetting to wash them. <laughs> so now I wash the paint off my brush about every five minutes. Yeah, I've done the same. I, I have a, a a collection of ruined ones that I use for for if I do the contrast paints or anything. That's what I use. Um, Ben, what do you what do you what have you got at home there? Um, I mean, for the most part, you know, on the brush side, I've I've got about twenty or thirty different size and style brushes from flat to round to you know liners that I went out and purchase after watching a bunch of videos and going, you know what, let me expand this from my, my three brush strategy of big, <laughs> medium, and small. Or a, uh, a brush <laughs> kind of sewer now. It works. Huh? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really into this. I, I bought a pack of like four paint brushes that was like $25 and it was like a zero size and a, you know, one size and, you know, a lot of fine, uh, mink hair type weird stuff you know that that really it it works you know um the brush and i don't do any airbrush i do everything by hand so for me the the type of brush i'm using and and what i'm 
getting ready to do is I've got to really think it through and, and pay attention to how much paint's going on. If I'm using a wet palette or a dry palette or, you know, um, I've got some, I think a wet palette has been a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. Wet palette is good. Wet palette is good. And Dave, why don't you explain what a wet palette is for those people? So a wet palette, for those of you that are not familiar with what it is, it is a plastic tray that has basically a sponge material in the bottom of it. And then almost like a very thin paper that you put on top of the sponge. So you wet the sponge and what that does is it transfers a small amount of water through the paper to help keep your paint uh, from drying out. Moist. Word is moist. Moist. Thank you, Mike. You're welcome. I'm so glad you're here to to help me with those those difficult words. (laughs) Uh, Now go back to playing an NTC. But uh, a wet palette, it allows you to mix your paints a little easier, and you can drag them away from the main uh, blurb of paint that you put on the uh, on the wet palette and thin it out by just pressing onto the paper because it'll allow more water through it. So it's a really interesting tool, and for me, it has been a a really big help because I'm not having to add water to paints to thin them out anymore. And I'm able to work with the same paint for longer when I'm painting a mini. Nice. Uh, Rick, what do you, what do you work with? Um, well, um, I mean, I, I started with my, your generic collection of army painter brushes and I bought a couple of Reaper ones. Um, I really liked, uh, army painter makes a, I have like three of them. And this one doesn't have all the words rubbed off it. The Wargamer Kalinsky Masterclass. It's a little bit pricier for an army painter brush, but it's really good for all the detail stuff. I recently, it also has um, like the Kalinsky Sable, which type of rodent hair. Um, but I recently upgraded myself to um, a set of Kalinsky Sable by Gamer Envy. Game Envy. Game envy, uh, yeah. Those are yeah. the ones I got. Yeah, they're they're great. Um, really like these brushes. I've been using them for a couple months now. Um, I think the most important besides the wet palette, I have a wet palette, you know, um, a little stick or something to hold the mech on. I, I switch between like a citadel painting handle and just a bunch of um drink caps that I have like blue sticky tacked mechs to something to hold your mech is really important when you're trying to turn it upside down and get all those little, uh, underside details that no one's ever going to see, but you have to paint them because you're crazy. Um, but I think the biggest thing that you, that somebody should invest in is good lighting. Um, yes. I have (laughs) two led lights on either side of me. Uh, of my chair and then you know the standard light in the room that barely does anything but um invest invest in like a 20 dollar amazon light uh like a nice bright led light i've got one of those sitting on my desk it's the uh the halo it's a halo light with a magnifying glass in the middle of it it works Mm. great I, I've tried yeah. using a magnifying glass, but oh, I don't use I don't use oh, the magnifying okay. glass. I just I watch people I thought at, I would, uh, and I don't. <laughs> yeah, I watch people at Gamers Haven use like the magnifier glasses, and I can't imagine trying trying to. So, do yeah, yeah. I say if you I, got bad bad eyesight, then yeah. yes, magnifying glass will be will be I'll probably get helpful. used to it eventually. But uh, I feel like I'm yeah you know, my my motor 
fine motor skill yeah. is off. Yeah. But it, the glasses. You, it throws the magnifier kind of messes with you. I, I tried that on the, my light. I've got a, a boom light that I can kind of pull around and, and get different lighting and different angles and stuff like that. But, um, and I got it off of Amazon, but it was an LED light, but it's got like five different light settings that mm-hmm. like change it from like a yellowish light to a white light to a blue light kind of to, to show different colors and stuff like that on as you're going through painting. Do you actually like uh, change the the different settings? Because I find I just set them to the same setting and as bright as possible. I like, usually oh. run as bright as possible on white, but same here. I, I do change it every now and then just to kind of see what that's going to do to the color as I'm going through and painting it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, not that it's going to change my mind or anything like that. Right. I'm like, oh, that kind of looks like, that kind of looks like shit. Maybe I'm, <laughs> let me go another layer here, you know? I will, I will play this back in the uh, yeah, color exactly. <laughs> So I, I do right, happen right. to have these dork glasses that my kids got me for painting. Yes. Um, so it has like the light and then like this, the little magnifying thing that has, it comes with like a set oh, of jewelers glasses, it comes with like a, a set of that. six. And it is, I have found it's good. It's really weird because the glass is not full glasses. And so it's like you'll glance past the glasses to like dip your, your, um, brush in the paint and you'll be like missing the paint and then you'll come back to looking <laughs> through the magnifying area and you have to take a second to kind of readjust so it definitely kind of slows it down but the lighting i totally agree with you guys the lighting makes a, a world of difference that does remind me of a, a neat trick that i got from mike before i had good lighting was uh just wearing like a camping headlamp mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Bright, bright yeah. ass headlamp on yeah. my head. That helped I a taught lot. A, I taught a trick. <laughs> yeah, you, you taught, taught a trick. A man. trick. <laughs> and, uh, the only problem is you Aww. burn through batteries real quick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you do. Mike's turning trick. Mine just happened. <laughs> hey. Just the tip. Just the tip. Just the tip. <laughs> uh, mine actually is like a. You can recharge it with a USB port, so that is kind of neat. That um, I don't don't blow through batteries and it recharges. But, yeah. but I totally agree with the lighting thing. That's a really good really good point. Um, I want to I want to second uh, Mike or uh, not Mike um, Rick's statement on the on the handle piece. Yes, um, I forgot that, to mention that. I found that that has well. been critical for me as far as I mean I used to just hold the mini and like paint it for the longest yep. time and then um, two hours in you got I the clutched hands. <laughs> yeah, then you get the cr- hand cramp like halfway through rubbing paint it. off. Um, Being able to move that mini around and see where you've missed things. I know when I've been washing minis, I will have to move it around at 360 degrees because I'll know somewhere on that mini there's a spot I have missed. Right. And it's just <laughs> this blank primer where the null oil hasn't touched and it just stands out like a neon light on the mini and it just pisses me off yeah. if I miss it until it's yeah. done. Yeah, I've been, I've been using uh, empty pill bottles that I just turn upside down and I'll use a little bit of hot glue and just kind of stick the neck on there with the hot glue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that way I can just kind of peel it off when I'm done. Um, but I've taken to in the last six months or so, I've taken to pretty much sawing the plastic minis off the base. And then you create gray, Ben, you like, create gray. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going, I'm going crazy with stuff, but it's cause I, I'm trying to work on my basing techniques and stuff. So I've been sawing the minis off and then I'll just take one foot and just glue it to the top of the pill bottle. And then I'll just start painting from there. Wow. 
Yeah, I haven't bothered uh, taking mechs off the bases yet. I, I have this <laughs> uh, weird dichotomy where I'm super meticulous and detailed on like the painting part, but I'm super lazy when it comes to mold like, lines. I'm almost done. <laughs> yeah, I'm not taking it off the base. Like, yeah. I, I have to go glue it back on the base. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, well, I think yeah. that brings up an interesting point of table table ready versus like an art piece. Yeah. Like some of the comments that I got on a, on a, the camo mechs that I put up on the Battletech painting and customs asking for feedback on them was, uh, that the mold lines are still there. And my thought on it is I'm not an army. I'm not a camo specs painter. I am not going to put another half hour into this mini trying to exacto knife off mold lines or clean up a misaligned mold to make it look perfect. I go for table ready and that's it. And for me, unless you're doing an art piece, that's perfectly fine. Cause you got to remember, most of us are going to look at these minis from three feet away anyway. Yep. I mean, and the other thing too is like, man, I want to play with these things. I don't want to sit them on a freaking shelf and just look at them forever. You know, they're going to be on the map. They're going to be moving around. I'm touching them. I'm, I'm doing shit with them. You know, yep. I don't, I don't need sure. to spend a lot of time, you know, cleaning up mistakes in a mold that I have no care over or concept over, you know, speaking of touching your minis, varnish them, varnish them when you're done. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> at least I've, I found uh, with my Aries from LVO, like I only did one coat of varnish on it. And it's not even, enough. Even it's, not enough. Rubbed off. it's not <laughs> enough on a metal mech. Yeah, the metal yeah. ones are, are bad. Yeah, they're rough. Oh, metal? You need like three times as much. Yeah, you do. You do. Might as well dip it in a. When you guys say varnish, Rick, what what exactly are you talking about? Um, like, is it you know the spray? Is it something you paint on? Just for those that aren't like so. I know. So I, I used to use a uh, tester's clear coat uh, matte varnish. A lot of people like. So you have three real choices of any kind of brand varnish you get. You, you'll have to choose between matte, satin, or gloss. Uh, sometimes satin's called semi-gloss, but it's just how shiny you want the mech to be at the end. Um, a lot of people go swear by matte stuff. I've started using Army Painter's Satin through the airbrush, um, but it's basically just a clear coat. I think it's just acrylic um, or some other. It's just a clear coat. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. acrylic lacquer or right. varnish. So I it actually I do not like the Army Painter matte through the airbrush. To me, it dulls the color too much. So, and I found this when I was prepping for LVO and I was varnishing all my, all my units for that is that it would almost give it a white haze and maybe I'm just not mixing it enough. Maybe that's a problem on my end, but, uh, oh, the frosting, yeah, the frosting is usually due to like, you were either too close, you layered it too thick or the, the moisture in the air was too high. There's a myriad of things that can cause frosting. You, well, then uh, that's all probably part of my problem. Are you thinning it yeah. at all, or are you just doing nope. it straight from the bottle? Yeah. So no, I, I just well, I just buy the uh, the airbrush uh, varnish from Army Painter. Right. So I use the same thing, but I drop uh, four to five drops of uh, airbrush flow improver. This stuff I have is from Impressa, but I'm pretty sure it's all pretty much the same. But uh, just give it just thin it out a little bit because it does come out a little thick, and I've they had do similar come out problems. A little thick. 
Um, okay, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. I haven't had any issues with the Army Painter Air Satin. Uh, yep. I just use that straight, and I've had zero issues. That's the only one I've ever tried because That's I always I used. To. Yeah, I've always used the satin um, rattle can, and I liked the that it wasn't too shiny and it wasn't too matte. <laughs> I do so like I, the uh, the rattle can. I think rattle canning varnish is a great way to get things done. That's, that's, that's like all I brush. use. Yeah. It is super toxic though, so ventilate well. Yeah. 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 I, just I, do it outside. I like the airbrush. Yeah. <laughs> I like the airbrush varnish just because since it's so much more pinpoint, I'm wasting so much less material. Because yep. with rattle can, 80% of it hitting the backstop. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? Oh, you have a backstop? <laughs> You're prima donna? Yeah. I just hold it in my hand, and then my hand's shiny afterwards. I mean, Hey, man, I'm renting, okay? If I ruin that garage really? door, I got to pay for it. Uh, you paint got a garage? It. I got to anyway. it's, it's full of shit, but ben yeah. Ben is envious. You have a house? Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, the rattle can is all I use. Um, you guys with your airbrushes are too, too high-end for me. Um, but I've been. Does uh, the man going to Gen Con? Hey, you know, that's I'm just, that's why he can trip. afford Gen Con. He doesn't have the airbrush. Exactly, kit. exactly. <laughs> now, but I, I swear by uh, I've I've still got a can of Tester's Dull Coat. Heck yeah! Been, so do I. I've been I like three of them. And, and I, I every now and then when I get low, I'll go search on eBay for another. <laughs> you know. Uh, you can buy that stuff at Hobby Lobby. Yeah. I've got a box of rattle cans you can have, Ben. They're just oh, I'll, take, like rush. I'll take them, man. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, I've been, I did experiment with my OVO uh, paint job with a, with a um, satin or a mat, and eh, I'm still on the fence with it. I'm going to do this group I'm doing now with a mat satin kind of thing and see how it goes. But, uh, you know, it gives it that some semi-shiny effect, yeah. you know, yeah. which... I like the satin. That's kind of where I yeah end up. Not brilliant. Shiny. I find Matt just kind of dulls things yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, Matt. Yeah, Matt. Sorry. So real quick, um, I'm not going to get into my whole paint setup. I know generally everyone else said, and I've got generally the same comments, but just to reiterate a couple things. So like Rick mentioned, I started out with using my camping headlamp, just the LED light. So those of you that don't or that aren't using a headlamp or a dedicated like light to illuminate your painting area, light uh, and you're painting a light. Well, it means the same thing. Um, <laughs> and if you're just painting under your house light, so over the so like in my house, I prefer like light bulbs that are rated at five thousand Kelvin or daylight bright, uh, so that that white light. Uh, the majority of houses use soft white, which has more of a yellow tinge to it. So tell if me you're, you're painting... from Alaska without telling me you're from Alaska. <laughs> so if you're painting, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you're painting under soft white and it looks one way, and you're like, "This looks really good," and then you get to a game store, and then it's got the fluorescent lights, and businesses all use that five to six thousand Kelvin lights, which is white, white. Uh, what's that? That's not warm. It's, I don't know. It's it's a white light, and it looks like completely different. That's because you painted under soft white, and now you're looking at under bright light. 
I feel, I feel like, I feel like Mike worked at like the uh, the light yes. section of Home Depot or something because I just learned way more about lights than I ever have. <laughs> nah, it's yeah. definitely from living in Alaska where you're like, <laughs> I haven't seen the sun in three days. What does daylight look like? This bulb says daylight. I'll try yeah. it out. And then you start looking into, oh, 2,700 Kelvin, that's soft white. 5,000 Kelvin, that's daylight. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah. So I started out with the headlamp and then I switched to a gooseneck boom style like um, Ben mentioned. Uh, it's a long LED light that I got got off Amazon that clips onto the side of the table. And it, like I can reposition it however I want. And it's also at that daylight bright 5,000, 6,000 Kelvin um, rating. And then as for the um, wet palette, so I use a wet palette. I still use it even though I airbrush uh, because it's really good for keeping, like mentioned, those paints um, good for a longer amount of time, Boys. especially if you're in a drier climate like Colorado. Um, so, and if you're painting in mass, whatever paint you have on that wet palette is good for two to three days, depending. Now the next day you'll have to stir it back up a little bit because it will start to separate. Just stir it back up. You're good to go. Um, where I really got the use out of my wet palette though. So back at Copo, I got best painted infantry. Um, and I, w- I specifically wanted to point. So the get, like, talk that bit, especially with all the mechs, the new mechs and the packs with the jump jet plumes. So for my elementals, I did a mixture of, it was, uh well what was it it was red orange and what was the third color there was three colors maybe it was just uh yellow (laughs) no it wasn't yellow no i think i made the third color no i made the third color so right so it was red and orange and then using the brush like they were both like put it put a pile of paint not a pile but you know what i mean uh put a blurp of paint on the wet palette side by side, leave about an inch of space in between. And so I started with um, red and then on on the jump plume and then using my brush, I would brush some of the red towards the orange and then brush some of the orange towards the red to get a swirl effect. But you didn't want to do it. I, I didn't do it too much. I wanted to leave a lot of the like the swirls in there and then so for the middle section i painted that swirling red orange on there and then i did just orange for the bottom and then i i think i did round it out with doing an orange to gray so there was a a flow of essentially yeah four colors three colors with the transition in between showing the swirls and it looked amazing uh, which is another reason why I'm super excited for the jump plumes for the mechs, because then you can really bring those to light by showing those effects of very lightly mixing those paints, putting it on that jet plume, and you get that awesome swirling color effect that you would kind of see in like just this massive blast of fire coming out of something. Okay, so um, you've brought it up now. Now we have to, before we go into basic uh-oh. techniques, what color or colors does everyone think the plumes should be anything you want oh, that's not an answer sorry yes it is 
I I like the red orange, like the traditional fire colors, but I've also seen some really I awesome like the blue. looking blue, the blue yep. plumes. I've also, also considered awesome. like a purple pink. I haven't done any of them mm-hmm. yet. Uh, I did a red orange on um, some elementals, but I'm, I'm thinking maybe a purpley pink glow for my jump jet plumes. Yeah. See, anything you I want. I mean, it can be anything you want, but uh, I like the black and white kind of, or gray, you know, like how you can go all the way from black to white. I think that's kind of cool. I mean, I saw a, uh, a cool kind of a green, gray, white thing going on. Um, I just put it up in the paint chat up cool. there. I thought that was kind of neat too. Yeah, all sorts of colors that I've seen. Now we have to go yeah. look. <laughs> and the blue, bluish gray. I have, I have seen quite, a, and that's why I asked. Is like I've seen quite a diverse num- number of colors out there, and they all look really cool. I mean, there's like really cool combinations. To me, to me, I look at it as blue seems more appropriate because I don't know the the red yellow just kind of reminds me of like flamethrowers. But a blue, a blue white kind of makes me think of like a high powered engine, like a rocket. Also, consider just uh, the paint scheme of the mech itself. I probably yeah. wouldn't do blue on my blue boys because it would just get mm. washed out. So, yeah, con- find something that contrasts. That yeah, makes sense. Contrast the original paint scheme. Yeah, let's get that. Okay, so we've talked about a whole bunch of stuff. Now we're going to bring it down to, we're going to start with basic techniques. So, what are the basics? And we're going to make Rick answer this. What are the basic techniques that you should focus on if you're starting painting day one? Where do you start? Oh, uh, man, that that's a great question. Uh, thinning paints, I think, probably the, the best, one of the best uh, skills to figure out quickly. Um, I look back at some of my first paint jobs and... Um, Definitely went a little too thick. Um, and then also, when you're thinking about your paint scheme, uh, you get that solid base coat. That's your primary color on the mech. And then everything else after that is accent details. Um, so on some of my first mechs, I went real heavy painting like whole panels yellow because I thought that would look cool. Um, of course, we talked about how terrible yellow is. And I'm looking at this. Thunderbolt that I painted. Um, it's just too mm-hmm. much yellow. Um, do smaller, less stuff, less details, or uh, smaller details, I guess. Uh, it will come out better. But definitely thinning paints. I think uh, if you can master thinning paints, you're you got a huge leg up on uh, probably probably seventy five percent of the Reddit paint jobs. I think also learning what proper consistency looks like after you've shaken the paint up. Mm, yeah. Because it's been sitting a while. If yeah. if you don't shake it properly and you don't mix it properly, it's going to come out chunky or too thick or you're going to get all the thinning material that's inside the bottle. And then it's just going to be almost like ink. I've been told that properly thin paint looks like skim milk or has the consistency of skim milk. Um, I can't really confirm or deny. I guess that's about right. It's weirder on a wet palette too compared to trying to do a dry palette. I haven't done a dry palette in a long time, so and have your paintbrush a little wet. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that I do every time that I paint is from a basic standpoint is I wet my brush first and then dry it. I just 
tap it and roll it on a piece of paper towel before I go for any paint. And what that does, it locks a little bit of moisture into the bristles. You get your paint that, in my case, I pull it off the wet palette so it's already a little bit more moist. And it allows when you're putting it on the mini for you to work with it better. Because otherwise you get almost uh, globs that will come off of your brush along the path that you were painting. So instead of it laying down like a nice smooth layer, it's going to be thin in the middle and the paint's going to get pushed off to the side of the brush. So brush control and making sure that your brush has a little bit of uh, moisture in it before you go for the paint. Yeah, I mean, I every time I reapply paint, it's uh, the brush gets a dip in the water, gets all the old paint out because who knows how dry it is. And then it goes to the wet palette, gets a little bit, you know, like you don't need a ton of paint on your brush. Get a little bit on your brush, and then I draw it across the wet palette to kind of get some of that big glob off of it. Um, and yeah, like less is more with paints. So two thin coats is better than one globby coat. Was, that's what I was thinking when you guys were talking is less is more and just the tip. <laughs> just the uh, tip. That's, that's where we start. Speaking of tips, I fell into, when I started painting, I was trying to do all these little fine details. I fell into the trap of buying the smallest tiniest like three so hair terrible. brush right and they're, exactly they're terrible um yeah you want get a, a brush get a with, brush a, nice with a really fine tip on it right but it and doesn't I need to be for, tiny i think for starting and i think that's why i like that citadel layer brush so much is because i prefer synthetic brushes over uh natural hair brushes because they tend for me i think they hold their tip better so Look for a brush that's got a pretty fine tip to it, and you will be able to do most of your work with that brush, at least yeah. any of your detailing work. It might take a little longer because you're not covering a huge swath of area with each, uh, with each stroke of the paintbrush. But when you need to do fine detail, or even if you're just, uh, you want to get that one rivet and you want to paint it uh, metallic, then you can just tap that one rivet and you're not going to hit everything else around it the so people don't uh, as a beginner i didn't understand that um you know the tip obviously is what you're painting with you're getting all your detail out of that but the amount of bristle behind that tip is what holds your paint and keeps it wet while mm -hmm. you're painting yeah. um if you have one of those super tiny like uh captain insano paintbrushes the like I, the I, army painter psycho yes the psycho i have a reaper 30 that is just it's dumb like you dip that in paint and by the time you've got it to your midi you'll get one stroke dry. and your paint is dry yep uh so good tip with a lot of brush behind it is uh ideal and and keep an eye on your your brush as well because over time they'll start to like you'll start to get some i call it fraying but it's like you'll get those weird like bristles that stick out and they'll get paint on them so as you're going through and painting details and stuff you'll you'll have your your detail line and then you have like a little stripe right below it of that one bristle sticking out there you can so, clip those off yeah i just trim them up with a with a pair of you know uh freaking leatherman scissors you know just to just to knock them off leatherman scissors nail clippers anything you yeah. can use that'll make a quick cut on the side of the, those bristles that start sticking out. I use the uh, another, clippers. 
another uh basic brush care tip is do not if you ever dip your brush too far into the paint and the paint gets all the way up to the top where the bristles meet the actual paintbrush immediately wash it yep. because what's going to happen is that paint's going to get inside the paintbrush and it'll start pushing the bristles apart at the very top of that brush and that that effect will pass all the way down to the tip of the brush and start separating the the bristles there plus it's hard as hell to get out of there and then if you forget to clean it then it half of your brush becomes immobile because now it's got dried paint Yeah, i found that one thing that i kind of a beginner's mistake i think is when i was washing my stuff i would wash it and then i would let it go to the like i would leave it in my little washing cup and that's another thing that can damage those bristles and kind of push them apart is if you have the bristles pushed down against something um so i that's one thing that I've started doing and it and my my bristles definitely stay closer together and you have that better tip as well. So that's just another thing. Yeah. Another thing you can do to save your tips, um, you know, obviously like like Matt said, don't leave them in the cup uh bristles down, but also don't let them sit them in your uh your standby cup uh bristles up after they've been wet. Let them dry horizontally first. Um if you put them let them dry with the bristles up, you'll get that water will take whatever little bits of paint and take them right back into all the way down to the uh, yep, base. Just like base. Uh, David Starton. Uh any other oh, no, just some basic basic brush care yeah. techniques. Yeah. Um for oh, what's up? I was gonna say another basic technique is uh kind of harkens back to what we were talking about earlier with lighting. Uh lighting and a paint handle. Being able to rotate that, uh, I will find myself flipping a mini around in my hand to get different angles on what you're painting, and that is key to getting a nice clean paint job because if you're no matter what, your bristle can only go, your brush can, Jesus Christ, your what I drank too much. <laughs> uh, the uh, the brush can only work in the angle that you're painting from. So you're not going to be able to get around a corner or the edge of an armor panel unless you move that model around. So yeah. you have to orient the brush to where you're trying to paint. And it sounds stupid and it sounds, you know, very basic, but it's that important to bring it up. Well, and, and that's where and the painting handle comes in handy. Yeah, you've you've also got to think about how that brush is going to interact when you put pressure on it. You know, like is it going to angle this way or angle that way when you put it against the plastic or the metal or whatever you're trying to paint? You know, um, and what is that if that tip is kind of curled a little bit? You know, that curl on there is going to change how much paint goes on there as well. Yeah. Uh yeah, exactly. So you're, the mechanics of that single brush stroke, you should kind of, you can't always do it based on the mini. There's just many parts where you just, you have to move your paintbrush. But ideally, your paintbrush would always move in the exact same direction. Your hand muscles would all move exactly the same every time. And you would just move your mini in such a way that you can use that same hand motion to paint whatever it is you're trying to paint on the mini. So move the mini to the brush. Don't move the brush to the mini. Ideally, uh, there's always going to be, like I said, the the little nooks and crannies that you're just going to have to kind of 
figure out and maybe just consider, is it even worth painting that little nook or cranny? Is anyone ever going to see it on the table? Exactly I, what I was just thinking right. about saying is that I, from a beginner standpoint, don't worry about the inside of the arms. Don't worry yeah. about the inside of the legs because if it's at a point where you have to really crane your neck to see it, nobody else is going to see it. Yeah. I, I do it because I'm crazy and like to torture myself, but, uh, so do I. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't have to, but we've also been painting for a while. So I will say if, if you've got a brush that does have a, so over time, right, you are going to get brushes that do have a curve to it because you forgot it in the cup and it dried um, at an angle and then it ends up almost like permanently being like a curved brush, right? Those can you, be useful. Can, you can leverage that to get into those super hard to reach areas when you're that anal retentive about, about it. Uh, <laughs> but what I was going to say earlier about uh, while we're on brush care, get, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it's a tan. Dish. Yeah, I have some the brush cleaner. Oh, the brush wax. Yeah, yeah the, it's, it's, brush, it's soap or brush soap. That's yep. what it is. Yeah, like it's it's brush cleaner slash conditioner. So clean your brushes with that after every single time, and then if they start to get a little fray or they're starting to lose their shape a little bit, you can lather it up in the brush and let the brush, and then you'll shape it right with your fingers, and then let it dry with the conditioner in it and that'll seep into the bristle um and recondition the brush a little bit to give it add a little longevity to it yeah but you can definitely bring some brushes that. back with that stuff uh, yeah absolutely time, not, and also yeah. don't kick yourself if you ruin a brush we've all done it oh yeah absolutely ruined brushes yeah. are great because you oh, can yeah. use them for all sorts of nasty coding, things that you don't want to use your good yeah. brush for like you can citadel glue. technical paints Yep. You can cut the tips off and use them as a stipple brush. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. I've got two brushes devoted just to Elmer's glue for basing stuff, you know, shit like that. One of my old shitty well, brushes became uh, my oil paint brush because I, you don't want that stuff to touch water or uh, right, acrylic right. stuff. Ruined brushes aren't ruined. They just need a new purpose. Repurpose. Just look at them and say, you're dead to me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so any other, any other basic techniques that you guys can think of besides really brush care, angling, lighting? Um, I mean, be, I guess. Bending paints. Don't, don't uh, be afraid to try stuff. I mean, it, yeah. it yeah. sounds like an advanced technique, but it's always going to be advanced until you try it. And it turns out some of these things are super easy. Um, they oh. just sound hard. That reminds me, dry brushing. So mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I've been recently experimenting with dry brushing because I've never really done it before. But uh, some basic techniques for dry brushing that I've discovered or that I use are uh, I will put the paint that I want to use in the, the plastic paint palette, not the wet palette. I'll dab the brush into it and then I'll use the uh, paper towel and I will brush the paint off of that brush until there's hardly anything showing up anymore. Cause that's about what you want when you're, when you're dry yep. brushing. Cause if yep. you have paint that's stuck inside there, you're going to take a dry brush swipe on your mini and you're going to paint half your mini. Yep. <laughs> you need to get 98% of it off again, stuff that we've as all done. Far, as far as yeah. what type of brushes do you guys use for dry brushing? I've, I've found that my best ones are just like, almost a little bit fluffy makeup brushes. Um, I don't know what you guys use. So I have the army painter, um, dry brush, like three pack. 
Um, but yeah, they're they're basically just makeup brushes. There's like a, a big half inch fat one, and then like two increasingly so smaller I've used, sizes. But I've used both. I have that Army Painter uh, airbrush set or dry brush set, and then I've also used flat just ones. a stiff flat brush. Yeah, I have those too, and I used those originally, but I tend not to like them anymore. The I'll soft brushes like definitely get into corners easier. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of use the flat ones for that. That's kind of the only thing I use them for. But the big ones uh, hit the model real fast. And, and for those uh, kind of coming into this and haven't tried out dry brushing, why should they do it? And what does it do for the mini? It highlights your edges. Yeah, all the high spots. So ideally, you want to use a brighter uh, color than your base coat. So it'll you'll hit all the high spots and it'll, it'll brighten them up, uh, make it look... Yeah, and don't be afraid to use two different colors. Mm-hmm. So like uh, on the uh, on the camo minis that I recently painted, uh, I used a sky gray as the first dry brush so that it would kind of get that off-white color on the edges. And then I went back over it with a rust red because I didn't think the rust red would show up too well on the green and brown, but it showed up really well, well once the sky gray was down. Yeah. I, the other option for highlighting is like... Um, edge highlighting where you go and paint the edge of every panel and i've done that on a couple mechs and i hate it it's way too tedious um but that is definitely an advanced it. technique yeah and it's a huge yeah. pain in the ass uh, dry brushing is like the easy version of uh panel highlighting that you know it does like 90 percent of the work for 10 percent of the effort yeah i i yeah. tend to do a lot of panels and stuff like that so like this this scheme i've been working on this last couple months with a dark blue base coat and dark gray paneling i've been using royal blue and neutral gray as my highlights for those particular areas so i think another great basic technique for getting good table ready minis is washes mm, so yes. yep Washing is awesome because that wash gets into all the little nooks and crannies that you don't want to paint. And it will, if you're using something like Nuln Oil, it gives it almost a black highlight in between all of the panels. So, I have some strong opinions about washing, but you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, <laughs> washing is great, and I hate it, but uh, I've experimented. Now, there is a downside to it. If you and use too much wash, it gets your yes. model way too dark. Yeah, and you've—that's one of the things that I experimented with doing this this dark blue paint scheme I was doing because I was using—I did a dark gray single coat wash, and it got it to the where I wanted it. But I also tried it like two coats of wash, and it got too dark. I did a gray coat, and it really didn't do much. So it's one of those things where you really got to kind of—you know—I'm a big fan of I'll use minis that I'm not planning on painting in a certain paint scheme as a test yes. item yeah. and test out like different colors, different washes with everything, everything, and then go, okay, that is what I want. And then I'll go one mini can mini. give you four different tests, arms, yes. legs. Yep. I, uh, I definitely, I think of all the things I've experimented with, it's trying to get washes right because with my blue boys, I really want to be bright and vibrant. And then I, when I started out, I'd slap some null oil on them, and uh, suddenly they look like they've been playing in a like a oil factory. Yeah, <laughs> um, 
So I think it's more advanced techniques when we get there, but yeah, I, I have lots of opinions on washes and how to make them better. With that being said, we better uh, head on to, so let's, you know, these are we all kind of talked about the basing, priming, a base coat down, dry brushing a bit, um, you know, using these washes, maybe not so liberally, but I'm not sure. Um, so dunk that bastard. <laughs> So oh. any any advanced <laughs> techniques you guys would like to talk about and maybe why to do them, pros and cons, uh, and, and how any any tips or hints you have? So I'll go straight into my washing opinion since we were just talking about it. Um, the <clears throat> excuse me. So after I like dunked things in wash and didn't like that or just slathered it on, um, I started trying to do like pin washing, which can come up with some really nice details. Or really nice effects, but it is also super tedious. Um, so what is pin washing? Pin washing is when you dip your, like a, a needle or a pin point into the wash and then have it drip off that needle as you're, I, I use a very fine brush for this, but you know, it's the same, same idea where you're trying to pinpoint, put that wash into all the little cracks and crevices without putting it on all the flat spots. Um, very tedious. Um, works it's good but it's kind of like panel highlighting for me i don't want to do it it takes too long i want an easier solution uh, my next attempt to find that solution was to do all my details and then blast the mini with a gloss varnish and then wash it and then use um isopropyl alcohol to take the wash off the on like a a sponge or a q-tip preferably a foam q-tip the cloth ones just leave little bits of fiber on you on your models, but try to take that wash off all the, the high spots or all the flat spots, um, which worked okay, but sometimes took paint off with the isopropyl. Um, but eventually, I thanks to Max, one of the local other really great painters in the area, uh, I tried oil paints for the first time and making oil washes, and uh, turns out it's really easy and super effective. Um, so I'll use oil washes now where I take a little bit of oil paint and a little bit of odorless mineral spirits and thin it down to be very liquidy. And then I'll just slather it on the mini, um, let it dry for a couple hours or overnight. And then I come back with um, little makeup foam, disposable makeup uh, applicators, dip those in the mineral spirits and then wipe away all the excess wash and that works great and i don't have to worry about taking paint off it gets in all the little details and then my my yellows and my bright teals uh still pop after the fact um, i am a huge fan of oil washes now and we'll use them on everything so i think uh I got a little... for washes my experience has evolved as i've been painting originally i would just finish painting and either null oil on it what I have been doing recently is I will finish my base coat with the airbrush, then I wash it, and then I will do my detailing. So kind of a, a different approach to the way Rick is describing it. Uh, it allows me to kind of darken the gray on the mini, but then I can have all my other, other colors still very vibrant. And the other nice thing is if your paint is thin enough where the wash pools will actually still show up through the color that you're painting. 
So it'll darken that color just a little bit, but it's enough to be slightly noticeable. So on the recent ones I've been doing, the gray and green, that's what I've been doing. And some of the green panels, they will I will be painting them over where some of the wash is pooled and it's very black and dirty looking. And when I paint the green over it, that black will still come through the paint just a little bit. So it doesn't nullify the wash completely, but it still allows that green to be very bright and colorful. Overall, we're, we're talking about these washes are meant to get into these little recesses to make them look darker so that the things that aren't in the recesses kind of pop up as well, right? Yeah, exactly. And it kind of gives a little depth and shadow to the mech or mm-hmm. whatever many you're, you're painting. And there are a lot of different colors of washes. Mm-hmm. There's not just null oil. I, I always tend towards black for mechs. I, I can't bring myself to do uh, brown washes, but I did a... Like, oh, a the sepia one. looks so good, though. Probably on paint jobs that I haven't been doing, but... Uh, it looks good on tan. Yeah. I can say that much. Uh, yeah. I tried a purple wash on uh, my wife's very pink uh, Mist Links. I thought that looked pretty good. Yeah, I think it came out pretty well. Yeah, I'd like to... I, I did a... T- a- a tan base coat, and then I used an oiled earth wash from uh, Vallejo, and and that turned out pretty well too. And Rick, just to reiterate, in case anyone missed it, the reason you were able to come back and wipe away some of that wash with the isopropyl alcohol and not lose any paint in the process was because you varnished between painting and washing, correct? Uh, that is correct. However, I did on some minis, if I went too aggressively, um, did lose some paint and had to go back and touch that stuff up. Um, so the isopropyl does work sort of like the oil wash. You just have to be very careful about it and not rub too hard or you will get through that, uh, that gloss varnish and, uh, into your actual paint. And then once I'm done, I varnish over everything again to lock it all in. Um, when I was doing that, but um, it does work, but you're probably going to take some paint off and be prepared to touch it up. So anyway. I got a good next topic. The uh, Something that I see on a lot of people's minis is overpainting of cockpits. So uh, uh, I think that belongs in the advanced category. What do you guys do to paint your cockpits? I've just been using... For me, I'm... Oh, go ahead, Mike. I want you to go. Uh, I'm just... I'm lazy, you know? Um, so I took my original inspiration for my cockpits from the F-22, right? Yep. So all of my cockpits are metallic gold and they started out as just metallic gold. And then to give it some extra depth over time while retaining laziness, <laughs> uh, I still do metallic gold. It's army painter, greedy gold. It's a darker gold, uh, but it's definitely metallic. and once I what I've started doing of late is once that's dry, I'll take one of my detail brushes, dip it in non oil, and put the non oil on a concentrated corner of the cockpit, uh, which will give a darker and even darker gold in one corner, and it fades up to the lighter gold in like the upper right corner, say. Um, so that's how I'm able to give layers of depth in the gold while just it's just gold and non oil <laughs> lazy i would 
I would say that I, I am very beginner cockpits, and I'm definitely on the turbo dork train, just like Ben was mentioning earlier. I really like their, their paints for cockpits, but again, I'm this is just very like one one color, not trying to get any depth or anything, and that's that's what I do. But so what I was actually trying to get into is like, how do you actually paint the cockpit? Like, how do you make sure that you don't overpaint? What what techniques are you guys using to get within that glass area and not get it up on the cowling or non-struts like glass yeah. area? Yeah, the so raised areas. I totally get it on the struts. Um, and same with everything. It's just going back and hitting it with a little touch-up paint right. to, to cover that those those mistakes. Up. It's actually pretty easy to cover up mistakes. Just uh, for me, little- I hit every. Every cockpit that I paint, I hit from about four different angles. So I go in for the corner first, and I start about midway in the cockpit and push the paint toward the corner until I get to the point where I don't want it to go any further, and then rotate the mini, hit the next corner, rotate the mini, hit the next corner, until I've hit all four corners, and then hit the center. Now granted, on some of those, it's easier, like a a Madcap Mini, that's a lot easier. With the smaller ones, just like Rick said, get the paint in there as good as you can and then go back and, and clean it up. Yeah, I, just like uh, just like Mike, I was also heavily inspired by F-22 cockpits for my original paint schemes. And I, I went with uh, Army Painter Weapon Bronze, but I'll do... Um, so I'll, the entire cockpit that I want glass, I'll paint black first, just a matte black. And then I'll take um, white and black and mix various shades of gray up to white to do, you know, the, the brightness in the corners. Um, and instead of going all in with the paint, I'll take my weapon bronze and thin it way down and kind of just use it like a glaze or a speed paint sort of effect yep. and then touch it up from there. And then uh, I think what really helps the cockpit pop and set it apart from the little struts and stuff around it besides touching it up is going in with uh, some targeted gloss varnish on the cockpit. After you've varnished everything else, go back with gloss and hit the cockpit itself to give it that extra shine from the, the armor plating next to it. And I think you I guys also bring up that. a good That's point super smart. of uh, contrasting color to your paint, paint job. Yeah, definitely Make contrast your, your cockpit to your paint job. So my, my blue boys have the bronze F-22 cockpit, and then my um, my blue greeny white ghost bears have like a, a bright green and actually that's one of the few things i use contrast or uh, technical paints for is just a little little blop in there to uh cover the black and white give it some some glow or something and then the dreaded weapons uh, what is your guys process for for detailing out weapons recently for lasers i recently just so army painters air paints they've got that neon line Yes. You can 100% paint <laughs> with a brush, the airbrush neon paint for the lasers, and it looks. You have to get a decent dope. amount on the brush, though. You do. It, it take it'll take a few layers, but those neon air paints brushed great. on look fucking good. That's I'll what try. I did all of those uh, those camo paints with. I used the uh, the neon blue and the neon uh, the neon green. And then I just used a regular red for any missile part missile ports. Actually, what Mike said really uh, brought up uh, a thought for me that 
would really have belonged in the basic techniques. But airbrush paint, if you want a, mm-hmm. a quick hack for thinning your paints, just buy airbrush paint. You can use it on yeah. paintbrush. It works yeah. fine. They're yeah, already way thinner. Um, they're almost ready to go. And but they're they very, have, very thin. Very thin. Yeah. Any, like anything any outside of black, I mean, you've really got to do layer on, upon layer upon layer. They're great for glazing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it depends I, on the I get, particular color and, and yeah. brand. I get dumb with weapons because, like, I take a pin drill and I'll usually, like, drill out, like, the gun barrels and stuff like that. <laughs> and then, like, layer in, like, whatever color I'm using. Like, for PBCs, I was using uh, Turbo Dork, a blue. I can't remember what it is right now. Like, Cool Ranch or some shit. And then I'll use like a, a lighter electric blue on side of that and then like a white dot to kind of give it that glow effect kind of thing. Um, on top of like heat effects around the outside of the barrel as well. The heat effects know? I've been noticing more and more and I don't know how to do those, but they look cool. Yeah, yeah I have, the, I have that, that, with that, that heat yeah. effect and bluing, I, I love the way it looks. I have yet to figure out myself how to do it. Yeah, Again, there was I the, haven't had time. <laughs> I watched a video of uh, I think it was B1B Flyer doing it, yep. and um, he he did a really cool job of of kind of layering in like it was like a, I use a gunmetal blue, and then like a like a it's like a brownish wood smoky kind of paint, and then um, uh, like a hardened steel color or something like that to kind of layer it in and, and make those delineations of the heat kind of moving backwards in the barrel kind of thing. Whenever I see that stuff, it makes me think that my, my painting is so subpar because I'm, I'm a basic bitch when it comes to uh, uh, hey, gun barrels. Hey. Yeah. I will just use Vallejo natural steel or lead belcher from Citadel. And that's all I do. That's what I paint. Yeah. I'll get, if it's an auto cannon, I'll get some black down in there and just leave it yep. at that. Um, I don't bother to drill them out. Although that's a good idea. No. <laughs> He's going to be doing that from now on, Ben. That's your fault. Thanks, Ben. (laughs) Just to add Uh, more time in. uh, But for for lasers, I'll usually, I have like a a red, a green, and a blue technical. I guess these were like speed paints before there were speed paints. I don't really know. I've only been painting a couple of years, but um, Citadel technical paints. And I'll get some of that in there. And then while it's still wet, go in with white and try to get just the center of the barrel. And then, um, you know, depending if I go too aggressively or not, I'll go back in with more of that, just the smallest bit of that technical paint to just um, give it that hint, that, that tint of color to the glow so, effect. So here's the, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you're going large, laser, blue, medium green, small red. What's your PPC color? Yes. Also blue. Same blue as the Same laser. blue. Okay. Uh, Interesting. I usually yeah. use a uh, a lighter blue. See, I do red for for lasers, for all of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, except for medium, I do red for large and small, and then medium gets a like a greenish lime green color, and then PPCs are always blue, and and then auto cannons are always like like silver or or like a lead color mm-hmm. kind of thing. I've started using yellow for auto cannons hmm. inside what the barrel. You? Yeah. So as if it's like shooting. Like yeah, kind of firing. Yeah, just because it looks it, to me, it looks a little lame if every other port that has a weapon is colored. Yeah, and then the auto cannon is just nothing. Yeah, so I just started I, using yellow. 
I I tend to for like auto cannons and Gauss rifles, I'll do like a ten star the turbo door ten star because it's a very bright silvery color. Um, I don't know, just to show I like the way swinging the barrel. My general rule of thumb is small is red, medium is green, or is medium blue. I think medium is green. green. Yeah, medium green, large blue, PPC blue. And then for my auto cannons, I also do red. So here's the because real question: Does anybody fire. else uh, dot their missile tips on the missile launchers? Oh, occasionally, I, yep. I no. <laughs> I tried. I tried, and it always fails. SRM, I tried with the SRM carrier. I tried to make the face of it all yellow, right? Like safety yellow. And then I tried to do like red missile tips, dreaded yellow, in the middle of it because like that. Yeah, that like now, it just looked like ass, and I'm just like never again. Now, if the missile ports are recessed, like on the uh, Black Lantern, they just I do washed. red. Yeah, really. Oh, and then you? I do red in the recessed area, and then silver over the top of it for the mil- for the missile ports. So usually, I actually do I do silver first, and then I go in with the red for the the recessed area, and then I'll clean it up, hmm. and it looks really good. See, the worst for me was uh, when my I did a Jess one for LVO, and it had like the all missiles the are like pr- sticking halfway yeah, out the, all the, the protruding missiles. So I like yeah. I I went through and like did gray on every single missile, and then I put a red tip on each one of them. <laughs> it it sounds, was so so sounds, tedious. Yeah, <laughs> so terrible. I don't know if it'll be able to see it. You're too close. Back up. Fuck it. I'll just I'll just uh, take a picture of yeah, it. Put it on the. Put it in the uh, paint chat. Yeah. Put it in the chat. Okay. It's a podcast. Yeah. Not a YouTube podcast. Audio. Yeah, I know, Mike. Um. Okay. So <laughs> another another. I guess I would consider it advanced because I've have yet to do it as decals. Your guys' experience. Where do you get them? Yes. Love no. it. Oh man. I did them for the first time with the uh, Saint Ives Lancers, and it. Was annoying, but not that bad, and I'd do it again for any cannon unit that has decals available. These are what type of decals, put, and where'd you get them? I mean, Fighting Piranha. Where else? Yeah, I I put decals on pretty much all my I stuff. I think Fighting man. Piranha is the only people that print them. They're the only ones licensed to do it. I think there's some. Um, and you if you want to heard, it's it's a real pain in the neck to print your own decals. Yeah, someone was talking about that recently. Special printer and doing some. Yeah, Delaney's mentioned it a few times in the Colorado Discord. Some people, especially on Etsy, print decals for sale. What separates Fighting Piranha from all the Etsy printers is they have the special, super expensive printers that can print white. Right. That's what I've gathered, and that's what separates them from everyone else. Is one, they are the only official decal provider. And you're supporting the IP by bought, by buying the Fighting Piranha ones. It's not even that, that expensive. Well. It's like $5 for, for a sheet of like... Sh- yeah. Of yeah. But yeah, um, printing them yourselves, you would... So get Fighting that, Piranha also do custom decals for you? They do, because I've done them. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have a custom Merc unit... Get custom detail, decals that, if you feel like it. That little icon I have on the Discord, I had made in decals. That was my oh, yeah. personal Merc unit. Oh, nice. And I think it just takes a, forever, right? Uh, it took like four or five weeks. 
it wouldn't that's not be bad. bad as i expected yeah. kind of like yeah. ordering custom dice yeah you know and there was a gaming group i was with in virginia that we built our own merc unit and this guy took a picture of his dog and sent it to fighting piranha we made <laughs> decals out of it shit so craziness but yeah they do custom well any to uh, get to your point though matt yeah. <laughs> uh so i have you so i ordered one set of fighting piranha um decals for my Kellhounds through Ares games and minis and i've only put them on one mech so far because again lazy life is busy um i put them on my archer and they look amazing so the tips i have to go with it is to get you a set of microsol a micro set yes yes um so to start out when you're cutting the decal off the sheet you want to get as close as possible to the decal i did learn through the hard way i pushed really hard with my finger on top of one of the minis and squished your decal on top of one of the decals to hold it in place on the cutting board as i hit it with an exacto knife and i entirely smudged the entire thing off with pressure heat mm-hmm. finger oils this that yeah. and the other completely ruined it don't do you, that that so, brings up another great thing that we skipped over gloves while you're painting ah uh, you pussy uh, whatever yeah. <laughs> i think they're, i think they're a good technique because just lick, lick i glove off. while i airbrush yeah. but yeah. you know just lick it still putting <laughs> that pressure on the decal will still rub it off the film uh because it's on a film so right. you want to carefully hold the sheet in place get as close as possible with an exacto or ideally it's like a, like a brand new or relatively new exacto mine are old um cut as close to the decal as possible because what you come cut out and put in a dish of water uh will separate from the paper backing so if you cut a huge square around your decal there's going to be a huge square around the decal itself like the image um yeah. and then it's going to be a bigger, bigger pain in the butt Right. So as close as possible, you and it's so at as it's separating from the paper backing, use uh, a Q tip, put some micro set on the mini itself, and then you're gonna carefully pick up with a brush, tweezers, or whatever the decal out of the dish, put it in place. Um, you'll maneuver it around into the position you want with a brush that has micro set on it the same the same brush you use to put micro set on the mini itself and then you'll once you've got it in position you'll cover the entire front of the decal and micro set you let it dry and then you come back with microsol which is like solvent right so if it's on a non-perfectly flat area the microsol will somewhat dissolve the image and like essentially the best word i've got for it is like melt it down onto the surface below it which now makes it look like it belonged there like it was painted on um right so you go micro set and micro stall and then you varnish over top and it's it's primo yeah i think one of the one of the things i've found doing decals for 
for a while is I took a pair of um, uh, like uh, tech tweezers that have like the little pointy end tweezers, you know, and then I wrapped them in heat shrink and kind of made them rubbery. And that's what I use to kind of hold the, the decal paper as I'm cutting it out with a pair of like uh, manicure scissors. It's a great idea because I was just using like my hobby tweezers and some other tick tweezers, but I was, uh, I felt like I was trying to use chopsticks to right, right. Like, pick up peas. And I, you know, the X-Acto knife, I use mine for all kinds of shit and it gets dull. So I just tend to go with the manicure and tweezers or the, uh, you know, uh, like I got a tiny little set of um, the, the tiny, tiny ass Swiss army knives with the scissors on them and shit. Those are really good to kind of really make those tight angles you need to make. Yeah. Speaking of exacto knives, I just replaced the blade on mine after like two years or something. It really makes a difference. Change your blades, guys. It's true. Well, well, I I still have yet to do decals, but I am looking forward to the experience. And I've got my micro sole and my micro set, so I am excited to try it out. Uh, any any closing words on painting? Anything? My I guess my my own. I guess advice for everyone to just be just try it out um if you haven't painted anything practice. just just try and practice and anything else what, what any closing segments for you guys no one starts off being a great painter it takes practice it takes patience and it just takes a little bit of imagination yeah don't be afraid to try stuff uh if you have a mini that you're like i don't know how i'm ever going to use this that's a great mini to just try yep. some new paint schemes on Vindicators. Uh, you don't like your Vindicator? You can send those to me. I'll trade you. I'll trade you my Vindicator. All right. Vindicator's awesome. It might already be painted, though. I'll take all your J. Edgars. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I have a... Uh... My... Go ahead. I was going to say, I think my, my closing remarks is just to reiterate, uh, you don't have to paint anything specific. Don't be scared to try something new. But at the same time, these are machines of war. Uh, they're not going to be perfect on the battlefield, right? So if they look a little messed up, battle damage. Next. And that's my, that's my remarks. I will say, keep uh, learning. there's tons of resources on YouTube. I learned so much from B1B Flyers videos. And then yeah. uh, other people painting other hobbies, like it may not be mechs, but a lot of those same techniques be like, oh, I know I can use that. Uh, basing stuff is way easier than... I think people think it is. It's the yeah. largest. And a great paint. place, a great place to find those tutorials is on Camo Specs Online under their tutorials tab. Mm -hmm. And they also have the cockpit guide on there as well. Yep. I've used that. I've used their heat glue guide. I've used the. Um, Especially for the crab. Yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> uh, that one got fired. Charles. That one got uh, primed today. It's coming, Charles. <laughs> Crab has a cockpit. It's in the front. <laughs> cool. This crab's going to have a lot of cockpits. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Every panel on the crab is a cockpit. Jeez. Oh, oh, wait till oh, man, I somebody should do that for Charles. One. For Charles. That, that's my plan, man. Wait till. Let's all paint a crab for Charles. Oh, uh, poor Charles. I have said that I'm going to paint a crab for Charles with a bunch of cockpits and. Ben's going to get a Sagittarius that looks like a Vespa because uh, yes. that's all I can see <laughs> when I look at the Sagittarius. So what are you going to do uh, for Mike? Yeah, that's the question. I got to figure out what next you guys love and then how I can ruin them. 
See, the bad thing is, <laughs> I'd paint you up a J. Edgar Rick, but I oh. like the J. Edgar. <laughs> <laughs> so does so does Rick. So yeah, I know. I, know. Yeah. I can't screw up the J. Edgar. Cool. I'm sure you find something. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Well, awesome. Just send Rick a a Nodachi with something really awful instead of a sword. <laughs> oh, a berserker. I'm not giving you I'm not giving you suggestions on what that something awful should be, but floppy and probably purple. <laughs> give, him a, give him a berserker with no legs. Oh jeez. Oh, too soon. Too soon. <laughs> well, that was a he did a three. Great uh great segment. Hope you guys learned something <laughs> about painting. And uh and we all know that it went south fast. We uh always do this. This is what we do. Okay, on to our return and report section. We'll have a five-minute man. You're about the Kickstarter because it was awesome, and I put way too much money on the CC on the old credit card. Uh, what'd you guys think of the Kickstarter as it finished up? I spent way too much money on it, but I'm very happy. No self-discipline, <laughs> yeah. none at all. <laughs> Where, whereas the last Kickstarter, I was like trying to be very selective about the packs I picked. Uh, let me close the door before my wife hears. Uh, <laughs> I bought everything, and and actually, I didn't get a bunch of the like the swag items last time. And I'm actually kind of excited for the the fancy new dice and some of that stuff. I don't care about pins and stuff, but yeah. I did not buy the universe book. Well, I but didn't I buy the did, fancy uh, one. I did. <laughs> That's I the thing. I figured one, one of you guys is going to have it, and I can look <laughs> at it. I will have the I regular universe book. You get to I wear gloves to when you do away it. Acetate sheets. I want. Oh man, I just wanted yeah. it so bad. Yeah, I wasn't sure if the acetate sheets were making it into the regular one or not, so I just said, "Hell with it." I'm putting in two hundred dollars yeah. for that. Yeah. That was just another hundred and fifty that I could spend on getting another. Uh, what was it? A company level bundle or whatever it was I added to mine. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. I'm really excited. Uh, my son is like four months old right now, but when he's old enough to like sit down and look through the BattleTech book, uh, that's gonna be super fun, and yeah. I'm looking forward to that. That's what my I have a lot of fun. Uh, I actually went in through everything with my with my two boys, looking at the Kickstarter and kind of picking out what, what they wanted, other than just uh, the straight uh, regiment. So they put some add-ons. Dude, that's on. bullshit. You have kids that you can accuse of making you spend more money. Yeah, it, it makes it much easier. See, I'm I'm just the willing victim here. It's it's not my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it was incredible to see. No, it. honey, the kids wanted it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I was just really like excited to see how many people bought in, and I mean, was it like twenty? How many? I can't remember how many. Like twenty. Oh, we pulled up. I can't remember. Twenty-two, I think something. But uh, you know, yeah. and it even got over seven point five million. That's that's just to me, it's insane. We were so close. Twenty-three, eight, twenty-three thousand six hundred and fifty-four backers. Pledge seven million five hundred forty nine thousand two hundred forty one dollars. That's amazing. Well done, Catalyst. I mean, they're still going to give us the eight million uh, stretch goals, which I'm super excited about. Yeah, exactly. Which is awesome. We're getting a cookbook. Yeah, you, That's what I care about. We're getting a mauler. <laughs> a cookbook. <laughs> yeah, Rick gets his mauler finally. Super excited. Well, oh, did they actually have that in? Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the, yeah. The yeah. You can add it as an add-on, so you have to buy it. It's not a given. If it Did was, they do if the, we uh, reached the eight, it was a given, but you can well, still add it. As so they're doing the Somerset Strikers. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, yes, dope. you can buy it. Okay. Well, so you're going to be giving more money. Five dollars that I'm putting in. <laughs> yeah. And 
what was the other part of the, uh, blood, the asp. blood asp also yeah. got added on? Yeah. A fan favorite for some people. Yeah. It looks so good. I think it was, a, I think it was a great Kickstarter. And I think that everyone else has talked this thing to death. I think it's a, it's a great thing. I think we're all very excited for it. And in a year when we are all doing our unboxing and patting ourselves on the back for backing this Kickstarter, we'll have more minis for the pile of shame. Oh yeah. Looking forward to it. Hopefully I get through Goal for everyone. <laughs> you have to finish painting. Oh, don't start, Mike. Your you shut your face. <laughs> you have to finish painting your clan invasion Kickstarter prior to fulfillment. Just the ones one. I got from the Kickstarter? Oh, that's definitely that's, done. Or not the things I bought since then. That's just a Kickstarter. I'll say just, just the stuff you received from the Kickstarter, because I'm not even done yet. Maybe yeah, I'm, I'm the only one in this group because I suck. <laughs> Well, not you said all. it, not us. Uh, hey, you know, I'm honest. Yeah. Are you? Oh, of course. It's Mikey Mike. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. S2 Intel Brief Unit Deep Dive. The Gray Death Legion. Take it away, Burr Ben. So this month's S2 Brief is on the Gray Death Legion. Uh, the history of the Gray Death Legion. They started in uh, 3024 as an offshoot of the Trelwan Lancers. Uh, the Great Dead Legion made a name for themselves with their first contract on Verthandi, where they became a, the leaders of a rebellion that fought the Draconis Combine and won the planet for the Lyrian Commonwealth. Their name and successful battle against the House Curita got them their next contract, where they became famous. Working for House Merrick, they were granted a landhold on the planet Helm. Through a series of plots, they were condemned as outlaws, and their newly built landhold destroyed. Rising to the challenge to determine the plot against them, they discovered an ancient Star League naval depot and, more importantly, an ancient Star League library memory core containing all the information the Star League had gathered. Betrayed by their own employer, they managed to escape with the help of an old enemy, House Curita. From then on, they worked exclusively for the Lyrian Commonwealth and later the Federated Commonwealth throughout the Fourth Succession War and the War of 3039. During the clan invasion, they were one of the few mercenary units to win out against the invading clans. Throughout that era, they became embroiled in the politics of the Sky Separatist movement on two separate occasions, having to retain their loyalty to the Archon to, or turn against her. In 3065, after choosing to remain loyal to Catherine Steiner Davian during the FedCom Civil War, they were sent to Hesperus II to defend it against the forces of Victor Steiner Davian. They ultimately failed and were destroyed on Hesperus during the defense. It would take almost 100 years, but the Great Death Legion was reborn in 3151 by two siblings, Ronan and Isabel Carlyle, descendants of the great commander Grayson Carlyle, who founded the unit. They are currently involved in the formation of the Tamar Pact and once again embroiled in Lyrian politics. And I love that is the history. Love me some- Long live Carlyle's commanders. Yeah, I love me some Great Death, mm-hmm. but uh, man, they stuck with the Lyrian Commonwealth. Shame on you. They did. Damn. They did. It's rough. You mean Lyran Commonwealth? Lyran, Lyrian. Oh, hey, no not Lyrian. Right now, okay? We can say it how we want. <laughs> uh, the TONE for the Great Death Legion, uh, they've relied heavily on the combined arms nature that was part of their founding. During their heyday, they usually numbered a battalion of mechs with a battalion of infantry and a battalion of combat vehicles. Currently, they are a combined arms battalion with a mech company, a combat vehicle company, and an infantry company. The colors, the Grey Death favor a mottled gray and black color scheme, but will revert to standard camouflage when the conditions arise. Their emblem is a gray skull on a red background. 
And your sources for today were Decision at Thunder Rift, Mercenary Star, The Price of Glory, Turning Points Helm, The Grey Death Legion Scenario Pack, A Rock and a Hard Place, Tactics of Duty, Blood of Heroes, The Dying Time, The Price of Duty, and Mercenary's Honor, as well as Sarna. May have been covered in the lore just a bit. Just a bit. They've got their their screen time for sure. Dude. More than that other Merc unit you talked about the other show. Uh, the Rough Riders? Could have been them. I don't know. <laughs> Slightly more. <laughs> Hashtag just for who? For who? Yeah, uh, I love the love the trilogy. Uh, you know, the first trilogy um, with the Great Death Legion, their Inception, and everything. Uh, fantastic stuff. Of of mice and men are covering it right now. Uh, of mechs. Of mice and mechs. Mechs and men. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, those guys are doing a great job of like dissecting all the novels and stuff like that. It's really yeah, cool. if anybody out there hasn't listened to Of Mechs and Men, it's a great little podcast. You can also interact with them on our Discord. Yeah, they have a booth. They have, they have a booth. booth. They have a booth at the bar. <laughs> yeah. So we. So anyone has that hasn't noticed yet, or is not in uh, the podcast Discord yet, uh, there was some recent construction at the Valhalla Club. And might have been each, my fault. It might have been your fault. And uh, just facilitated further on my behalf. <laughs> but each of the uh, primary uh, Battletech content creators now have a dedicated booth, aka channel, in our server. So come talk with them. Uh, Trent still hangs out with us. We got Jason Hansen still, as well as Bungle Tech of Mexican Men. Uh, White Fox with the Mercenary Star podcast, and of course, Wolfnet. Um, yeah, it's true. Come, go, come, hang out in the Valhalla Club, and go for the old day, uh, Gray Death Legion. Try to see you go, and then come back, and then die yeah. again. Um, and I think you're ready to drink some drinks. Oh, I've been drinking. <laughs> Let's hear about this drink of the month. Cheers, drink of the month. Hey all, this is Ben here, your Battletech Master of Spirits. Get your mixers, liquors, shakers, stirrers, and strainers ready as we cover this month's Battletech Drink of the Month. Alright, this month's Drink of the Month is the Archon's Judgment. Alright, since we talked about the Great Death Legion earlier, the Archon's Judgment consists of two ounces of lemon vodka, one ounce of Jägermeister, one ounce of sweet vermouth, shake with ice and serve in a martini glass, garnish with paprika and a thin sliver of lemon, and enjoy. Is it enjoyable, Ben? Well, how is it? I found it too sweet. I'm not a sweet drink kind of guy. So, uh... You don't say, bourbon. I don't say, yeah. I don't say. <laughs> the The way to make this better is replace all that shit with some bourbon and put it over ice in a bourbon glass. I want to let all of our listeners know that this is not a pre-recorded thing that we like recorded once and we replay every time that and debuts a new drink. This is live <laughs> occurring now. It's just similar. Similar. <laughs> every time. Every time. Except for the ERLR's laser. I, I, I drink that on a, on a regular from last episode. That was pretty good. So that is your drink of the month. You bottle caps.
Okay, we're rocking now. Let's. Uh, we don't have anything changing from the news from the neighborhood, so the regular um, game nights happening around the the state of Colorado are still happening, as far as we know. So get out and game, people. Uh, let's rock into the. I up- do have one thing for news around the neighborhood. Oh my! If you guys do have a, uh, if you guys are planning a regular game night, and for some reason you can't show up, please let your stores know, because. There are sometimes when folks just show up to come to your regular game night and expecting the game night to be there. And then the store wants to be able to tell them, hey, no, it was canceled tonight. So please let your stores know. Keep them in the loops. And uh, let's go find all those new players. Yeah, a good way to, to, to kind of stay up to touch on that is staying or getting on the Discord or the Facebook for, for the community out here. So those those are good places to not only link up with players, but stay in touch with what's happening kind of day of a game or something. Uh, um, let's see, upcoming actions. We have next, well, this is, we're recording on a Saturday night. So one week from today, on the 6th of May, we will have the next Battlefronts event, Clan Invasion. And this is kind of an ongoing event, a series of events going through the different eras in the Battletech universe. We had the first one a couple months ago for the Succession Wars. This one's going to be for the Clan Invasion. It's happening on May 6th at Hobbytown, Westminster, so, so kind of northern Denver. Uh, we'll start at about 10.30, and it'll go all the way till about 6.30. There will be Alpha Strike and Classic Battletech, three rounds of each. There's a lot of details that are on the Discord for Colorado Battletech, as well as there's an event page on the Facebook group. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. There'll be swag, there'll be prizes, there'll be achievements, there's all sorts of things, but it'll be fun, because I'm in charge, so ha. Um, next thing, <laughs> Marshall Olympiad. Ben's running that thing, so Ben, why don't you put out the word? Uh, so the Marshall Olympiad is set to kick off on May 1st, um, but I'm still waiting for participants, so I've gotten one list in and one list does not make a martial olympiad so if you are interested in playing some classic or total warfare whatever you want to call it uh, the martial olympiad is a series of three scenarios that will be published one per month culminating with the last one in july so um if we are able to kick this off uh we'll kick it off I'm trying to finish it up by July because I got shit to do in August, so I won't be around. Um, so if you're interested in playing some classic, kind of a tournament-esque style, um, go ahead and check out the rule system that's in place on the Colorado Discord in the 2023 Marshall Olympiad channel and uh, ask whatever questions you need. But uh, get me those lists if you want to play. Is that being played at a specific spot or is that all over? Uh, right now, it's if I can get lists from people in Colorado Springs, I'll pair up people in Colorado Springs and they can play each other. Same thing for Denver, same thing for FOCO, same thing for, you know, wherever. We're just trying to pair up people and get them playing. I will be putting in a list tomorrow. So if you want to come out and crush me in a game of Classic three months in a row in Denver, that is fully acceptable. So there you go. 
and it's and it's just one scenario you got to play in a month. So that's not like you got to play every weekend. It's just one scenario, one and done for that month. Move on to the next month, one and done kind of thing. And I was going to ask for for the Marshall Olympiad since it's not necessarily like a singular venue event. Is, is this something that we could open up to podcast listeners as well and throw? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we can we can put the document out and because uh, I know can... we got listeners in Florida. And, I mean, all over the place. So if there's pairs in local areas that could join in on this uh, uh, event type thing uh if we could throw these documents up i mean i'll have this edited within i'm gonna say 48 hours magic i'm gonna, I'm gonna say it the magic I'm gonna say it yeah Old move, yeah so, i mean if if we got players from from other places that want to do this as well absolutely let's 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 get it done you just need you and another player that's it so it's just not difficult to do but uh Give me your lists and tell me you want to play, and we'll, we'll start knocking it out. Nice. Uh, Dave, do you want to talk about Q3 event there? Sure, I'll go with what we have for... Uh, well, actually, it'll be Q2 I don't even know. Oh, yeah, event. it's June. But anyway, uh, so this is the information that uh, has been put out by Luke down in Pueblo at Gamer Night Games. He is putting together the Ill Clan Blood Name Trials. That will be held on June 17th in Pueblo, Colorado at Gamer Night Games. Uh, the Blood Name Trials are going to be a mix of one-on-one combat as well as a grand melee. Uh, you will bring a unit from either Clan Jade Falcon, Smoke Jaguar, or Clan Wolf, all from the Star League lists in the Ill Clan era. And you will have to have a 55 PV single battle mech between skill 2 and skill 4. And he will be using multiple attack rules, and all entrants will receive a token that can be turned in during either the Grand Melee or the Uno Momento. Or either. Or either. For either. Uh, All entrants will receive a token that can be turned in during the Grand Melee. Fuck me. I can't talk. (laughs) All entrants will receive a token that can be turned in during the Grand Melee for either a single float like a butterfly or a lucky roll. Uh, top two competitors for from each of the three clans will face off in a 1v1 round. After the Grand Melee, the winner of each 1v1 round will receive a blood name. And we will have special roles in the Discord for the blood name winners. Uh, what does that say? Any competitors that do not qualify for a blood name match can either can join another grand melee round if they choose. So come on out to Pueblo. I know it's going to be a little bit of a drive, but uh, we will be supporting this with uh, prize support money from the Patreon. So thank you to all of our Patreon donors who you know choose to donate to the Colorado BattleTech uh, community, and let's make it a really fun fun game day down in Pueblo. Yeah, they've got a really... I'm excited for this. It's a really nice store down there, and they, they really support Battletech quite a bit, so it should be fun. They have a large stock of the majority of things. I, I'm excited from a lore nerd perspective for this event because currently the Wolves, the Jade Falcons, and the newly rechristened uh, Smoke Jags are in <laughs> dire need for new blood-named warriors. 
Uh, so I think that's awesome. I think that he's trying. I think it's great that he's trying to keep it tied in with the current era and current uh, lore. Um, and yeah, let's go get blood names, guys. Let's go. And for some future stuff that's coming up in Q4, uh, we are looking at Tacticon. We'll have uh, Battletech events at it. We don't have any information on them yet, but I know that they that it is being talked about very actively to include maybe a mega-sized Alpha Strike game with 12-inch mechs. So keep your eyes on the Discord for more information that will come out about that. And then the following month, that'll be in August, and then the following month in September, we will be having Aha, Battle for the Sphere 3. You messed it up. What? Q4. You're talking Q... So that one you mentioned Q4 as in fiscal Q4 because it's in yes. August. Yep. <laughs> and it, that's what... Yeah, you've been doing God everything. Oh, my God. Come on now. <laughs> Just Not my fault. I work in army finance and we we operate on the fiscal calendar not the calendar year quarters most adults understand the fiscal calendar let's just from now on do fucking fiscal (laughs) are you sure i'm sure (laughs) well we start with quarter one in the fiscal year (laughs) which was october October, november december (laughs) son of a bitch (laughs) most most adults guys like 80% of adults understand the fiscal year quarters. Let's just use the fiscal year quarters. Okay. Fiscal year quarter four. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> okay. I'm not cutting this. From the heart, uh, Mike. From the heart. <laughs> okay. We're done with that. Lots of cool events coming up here in Colorado. It'll be awesome. So come out and play. Tonight. Can I suggest something that I've really wanted to say? Uh, I want to see like a Discord painting night, like a regular, like once a week painting night where everyone just bullshits on Discord while they paint and talk about yeah, stuff. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. I would say Saturday nights if we weren't recording a three-hour-long podcast. Yeah, that's man. only once a month, bro. I've been painting while we're talking. I was Look doing that last go. month. <laughs> Look at him go. But no, yeah, yeah. So make it happen future let's, let's put it out there and discord out a good night yeah podcast painting night paint with rick saturdays ish can make some happy trees there we go paint with painting with rick oh boy <laughs> you 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 suggested it you own it congratulations you, know you get it all right nice. Some happy little mechs. <laughs> happy little mech happy little okay mechs. we're gonna roll into shout outs mr rick Painting with Rick, you get to go first. Uh, yeah, I mean, first I'm going to shout out my wife because she's awesome and puts up with me playing BattleTech. Oh, uh, she plays with me. That's, so awesome. that's fun too. Um, and then we're still talking about BattleTech, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, this is the kids' show. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got a kid. Yeah, that's uh, how we got a kid. Shout out Ew. to you guys. Like this, this uh, whole show is pretty cool, man. Uh, I'm not a big podcast listener but uh i try to listen to you guys as at least within the same week that stuff comes out but sometimes it's later uh, as we'll browbeat you when we see you in person uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no like you guys uh you guys dave in particular you've been like a huge organizer for the uh the local scene and really put on a lot of stuff and really uh mike has been running the the technical 
uh, Discord stuff from like the beginning. And between the two of you and Matt doing stuff up up north and Ben doing stuff, you guys have really made an awesome community that I have not gotten to experience in other places that I've lived, whether BattleTech or X Wing or whatever. And uh, it's a lot of fun being here and playing BattleTech with you guys. Thanks, Rick. Oh well, thanks, Mo- thanks, Rick. <laughs> I heard that. Shut up. <laughs> hey, Dave, you get to go next. Well, uh, <laughs> my shout out is uh, really just to uh, the community as as a whole. I mean, I know I've shouted you guys out a couple of times, but you are why we do this, and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun putting the events together. It's a lot of fun seeing everybody come out and. You know, we want to keep on keep on doing this. So thank you very much. And also to shout out our sponsor, Aries Games and Minis, for providing a lot of the price support that we uh, get at a lot of these events. So thanks, guys. Thanks, Derek. Uh, Take my money, Derek. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> How about it? Uh, for me, I'm just going to shout out Rick for joining up with me. Uh, on post to play an Alpha Strike game and make staff duty way more exciting. Uh, and for so coming to pick you up that. from NTC in his Chinook. <laughs> hey, I am ready. Like, let me know. I'll pop smoke <laughs> anywhere you need me to. You know what I mean? Uh, it's going to be purple, just so you know. Um, but <laughs> uh, so, Rick, shout out to you. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. It's been a thanks, blast talking, been- talking through all the painting goodness. Uh, the yeah the the ill clan era game that was so much fun yeah that was um, we didn't even talk about that, how close that was that was such a close game oh man that was so much fun it was down to the wire and one of like the last rolls which is how you know it was a amazing game I owe you uh, a so, on the, the Discord yeah you do <laughs> <laughs> but uh so yeah thank thanks Rick um. And, and who knows? Bondsman. <laughs> but uh, but uh, who knows? Maybe one day in the near-ish future, me and you will be building a BattleTech community in uh, Anchorage, Alaska, together. Who knows? Oh yeah. Time will I did tell. take a Bondsman because he didn't have anybody left alive. Yeah, they were dead. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Burban. Uh, my shout out this month is. Dave already stole it, but I'm going to shout out Aries Games and Minis again. Um, Derek got me an order I put in in uh, his usual speedy time frame, so I appreciate that. And uh, and just all of the Denver Metro and, and the FOCO guys that are out there playing as well, um, and Colorado Springs, fine, you know. Um, <laughs> just... Get out there and roll dice, guys. That's that's what we're doing this for. To get out there and roll some dice and have a good time. The dice don't thought. lie. Yeah, my my shout outs are similar. Um, I I just really appreciate the people that are willing to take the time out to go and and teach other people when we have these. You know, it, whether it's the Friday nights or the bigger events, uh, other other game times when they teach people that want to learn about the game or about the lore or anything. I just really appreciate that. So shout out to all you teachers. Also shout out to of mechs and men, because I really, I really enjoy going back through and like kind of reliving the first time that I read these books and like how excited I was and how, how I really thought I mentioned on the discord that I really thought that 
um, Grayson really was in my mind. I envisioned him as Kurt Russell, kind of in the '80s '90s era. So uh, it's been really fun to like listen to that and kind of get back in the get back to that vibe of kind of like '80s '90s kind of sci-fi funness. Um, so I really appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we appreciate all the listeners here. We'd love to have you guys post uh, any pictures or put any any painting tips or anything up on the Discord or on our Facebook page. So definitely have it them. And with that, like three hours and 75 minutes or something, I don't even know. With that, we hit last call. <laughs> last Hope you guys call. enjoyed it. Last Woo! call. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. And that's how we do it. And scene. Thanks for joining us today in the Valhalla Club. Special thanks to our sponsor, Ares Games and Miniatures. Ares is the premier online retailer for all your Battletech needs. You can contact us at the Valhalla Club at Outlook.com. If you are in Colorado, please join your local community group on Facebook and Discord. If you are able to help support your local Colorado Battletech community, subscribe on Patreon to Colorado Battletech. This Patreon account is used to supply prize support for local events and assist in venue costs. Links for the Valhalla Club Discord, the Colorado Battletech Patreon, and Facebook group are in the show notes. Until next time, Nick fans. Okay, here we go. Oh, God. (laughs) As I draw my breath in. And blooper. There we go. (laughs) That's pretty good. You're welcome. Okay, here we we go. I mean, they are right? like two bucks for a for a string of three of them, you know. And you can't just buy three; you got to have like four. So you buy in multiples. Like meth, four. you just can't take one hit. No. So wait, we should probably um, cut that out. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bring that up. Um, <laughs>